and welcome to Sword of the Story. I'm Janie. And I'm Max. And this is the podcast where we tell each other stories like fairy tales and folk tales and mythology. And also, you are here. I just realized, I was like, why am I feeling so excited about this? Because we took a week off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like doing the intro just made me so happy just now with one week off of work. <laughs> oh, buddy. <laughs> podcast actually <laughs> it's good actually well, actually it's fun <laughs> i am having fun i'm glad we're here and we're, i'm glad you guys are all here also hello el- welcome <laughs> <laughs> hello i welcome <laughs> are you a child this isn't for you no <laughs> go turn on bluey <laughs> uh if you're confused if you're like wait didn't they take their week off like several weeks ago the answer is yes and no <laughs> We don't even have to, we don't even have, listen, time is confusing, the passage of it even more so. Things have happened and now we're here and, you know, you're going to get what you get and you don't get upset. (laughs) If you get upset with us, this is who you're getting upset with. (laughs) I'm just a baby. (laughs) It's hot in here. (laughs) So I, I do feel like I have to explain it a tiny bit. We said... For weeks, we were like, we're going to take a break during Thanksgiving. So there's not going to be a Thanksgiving episode. And then I was editing three of our episodes at once, just going back and forth because I thought I was a genius. I was like, I'll never get tired of editing episodes if I just keep (laughs) going back and forth. (laughs) And that made me confused because in one of them, we were like, we just took our break. And it was awesome, I suppose. I don't know. And then the other one, it was like, hey, don't get scared. We're not going to be here next week. And then another one didn't mention it. And I was like... Oh, no. And my brain got confused and was like, oh, we announced the break during in the episode after the break. So like we don't announce the break. So everyone's going to be scared. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because we record usually two weeks before the episode comes out. Yeah. And I think I was also listening to that week's episode uh, on the pod like it had already been released. I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) The moral of the story is. There is such a thing as too much of a good thing. And I uh, overdosed (laughs) on Janie and Max. (laughs) And so I went to Max and I was like... Janie was in a prison of her own creation. (laughs) I was. And I didn't even realize it. I was like, actually, I like this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not coming out of the cage. I live here now. (laughs) My bones are the size of these walls. (laughs) I love this cage, actually. Actually. I was like a Victorian woman wearing a corset. I was like, this is fine and good and for me. (laughs) I love having all of my organs in the wrong place. (laughs) It's so quirky. (laughs) To be honest, I don't even care if men think my ass is gigantic and my ribs are (laughs) non-existent. I don't even care. This is for me. (laughs) Anyway, so then I went to Max in a panic and I was like, hey, we don't announce the break until after the break is already over. Do you want to just release this episode on Thanksgiving and then we'll just take a break the next week? And you were like, yeah, I trust you because you're the one like listening to it. So I said, I think you know what you're doing. And then I released it and listened to it the day it came out. And we were like, we had a great break. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I went back and realized my mistake. And anyway, if you're not on our Discord, you didn't get an announcement because I also didn't feel like updating <laughs> our social media. It's fine. We're fine. We didn't die. So I mean, who knows? This is coming out in, we know. We're alive. in two weeks. Oh, true. <laughs> At the time of recording, we have not yet died. At the time of the recording, this is a time capsule. If we have died, we're over here, like, being harbingers of our own doom. We don't even know it. We don't even know it. Okay. Well, that's the sort of professionalism you're going to get at sort of the story. And uh, if you want more of it, you can get it. You can pay us for more of this. <laughs> Max, tell them how. 
Absolutely. We have a Patreon. You know how Patreons work. You know. You're listening to episode 100 and... Do you want me to tell you or she's flipping? 12 of this podcast. (laughs) It's a weird place to jump in, so I'm going to assume you already know what a Patreon is. You pay us and we give you things. The things that we give you at the $3 tier are access to the Discord. At the $7 tier... And book club episodes. (laughs) I did a book I did a book opening and closing motion. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if you got that. Hold on. Book club. I was clubbing you. Oh, that looked like a lasso. Okay, how about this? Book. This doesn't work in an audio medium. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> club. Dating. <laughs> For $3, you get access to the Discord, which also means you get access to the book club. We, by the time this has come out, we'll probably have just, hopefully, maybe, just have just finished reading Shiva's Fire. Yeah. And we'll be on to the next book, which I guess we can tell them about. Maybe? Do we remember what it's called? Yes. <laughs> Mountains of, of Glass. glass. <laughs> uh, our next book club book is going to be Mountains of Glass, which is... By Scarlet St. Clair. Scarlet St. Clair, which has illustrations from one of our very dear friends, uh, Lauren Glover-Boyle. She just goes by Lauren Boyle. <laughs> I got it wrong and I didn't want to fix it. Her middle name is technically Glover. It is not. That's her maiden name. People don't put their maiden names as their middle names. They kill that shit. <laughs> they send it off into space. Do they space. not do that? Mm-mm. No, unless you're, that. unless you're hyphenating it. You don't use your maiden name as a middle name. No, my mom goes, well, I'm not going to say my mom's full legal name on the podcast, but it's first name, maiden name, last name. I think that's your mom's choice. No, I don't think so. It is. My mom has never gone by her maiden name again. Neither has anybody else i know savannah doesn't have it that's really weird my yeah. grandma also did and that. lauren also doesn't do it <laughs> i think that's a that's, that's a choice that's fucking weird <laughs> guys actually weigh in on this do you use your maiden name as a middle name if you're not hyphenating it because that's a different thing yeah <laughs> let us know we're hmm. conducting a study <laughs> anyways Mm. Lauren Boyle, one of our very dear friends, illustrated the illustrations mm-hmm. for the book. And it's like a <sighs> romance novel that is supposedly very saucy and it, is uh, centered in the genre of like fairy tales and folklore. It is specifically a book that is adapted from several Brothers Grimm stories. It's a fae romance that is very spicy. If you've ever read Scarlet St. Clair, which she writes the Touch of Darkness books, which are Hades and Persephone romances. She also writes like a million other books. She just cranks them out. And they're all very, very hot. (laughs) Extremely, extremely sexual. You cannot read that with children nearby. But (laughs) they might absorb it. Huh. But it is Brothers Grimm, Fairy Smut, (laughs) <laughs> right up my alley. <laughs> and so, yeah, we're going to be reading that for the podcast to celebrate. Lauren. Yes. It's in Barnes and Noble and it's in Target and it's in like a bunch of places. It's online. You can get them in a lot of places. Mountains yes. of Glass. Mountains of Glass. So that'll be our next book club book. Uh, we release bonus episodes where we talk about the book after we finish reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are available to everyone on our Discord. So join the Patreon at $3 level, level to join us on Discord. And join the book club and read the fun books that we read. Or for $7 a month, you can get a whole extra bonus episode, a regular episode of the podcast, but bonuser. (laughs) And we release those once a month at the beginning of the month. So we have actually, as we're recording this, just released the December one. um, And the next one will be the January one, which I'm really excited about. How fun. Mm -hmm. That is exciting. Um, So... (laughs) That was really way hotter than I thought it was going to be. (laughs) Big sip into the mic. Ooh, ooh, I have to edit that later. I am not looking forward to that. 
<laughs> that was a little horrible thing for me. <laughs> cool. Well, with all of that out of the way, Max. Janie. Episode 112. Do you want to get started and tell me a little story? I do. A it's a big story. Taylor Rooney? Yeah. Let's do Woo! it. Okay. I'm excited. Okay, Janie. Okay, Max. <laughs> this is very exciting and very sad. I just finished the journal that I've been using to take my notes for the episodes Every episode from episode 60 until episode 111 is in this journal, and I just got to the last page of it, so I had to start a new journal for this episode. That is cool! Um, yes, my old journal was like a... It's it's really beautiful. It's by Hooky Duke. <laughs> it's by the artist Hooky Duke. Um, they released a limited run of, like, moleskin notebooks, um, and I absolutely love it. Uh, and I'm going to miss it so much. <laughs> but the, um, the notebook that I have now is a really beautiful, like, um, jacquard-bound little lined journal it's like a pale moss green that's like a little bit metallic and it has a lovely little tassel i'll post pictures whatever it's gorgeous um i know that i always say i'll post pictures of the journals that i use for the podcast but i'm up to like five now um most of them obviously most of the podcast has been in the journal that i just concluded but this is the first story in my new journal um and i decided i had to do a special inaugural story that fits the vibes oh okay of the new journal exciting to uh Chris in the journal. So <laughs> this story mm-hmm. is from Hans Christian Andersen. I just purchased a collection when we went to the store to buy our very dear friend's book that she illustrated. Yeah. Um, I bought this very large and beautiful hardbound collection of Hans Christian Andersen's complete fairy tales. Mm-hmm. This is a Hans Christian Andersen story um, translated by Jean Herschelt. This story was published in 1858. We've talked about Hans Christian Andersen before. We've told a couple of his stories. The Beetle and The Little Mermaid, and yeah. a few others. <laughs> he he is our favorite genderqueer disaster bisexual. Um, he who is, fucking he is just exhausts a me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I didn't realize, that what this podcast did was make Hans Christian Andersen a person in history that I never want to interact with. Like, if somehow there's time travel, I'll be avoiding him at all costs. <laughs> You know that, like, um, the question of, like, oh, who, which five people from history would you have dinner with or whatever? Oh, God, um, never. <laughs> I don't think I would want to be at the dinner, but I would want Angela Carter and Hans Christian Andersen to have dinner together. And I guess I would want to be there and spectate. I feel like that would be fun. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to th- I mean, out of the two of us, you would definitely have way more patience, I think, with a person like Hans Christian Andersen. But if I sound insane, guys, <laughs> just know... Every person of note at the time he was alive who met him and interacted with him writes insane, exhausting things. Like him getting a bad review and throwing the temper tantrum to end all temper tantrums on their front lawn and screaming for the neighbors to hear. Or like trying to convince them to get their sons to shave his full body. Or Or like refusing to leave somebody's house when he was supposed to be there for five days and refusing to leave for two months and then being like, you have to go home. I I realized as I was going through this collection to find this story, (laughs) there are obviously a lot of stories where he includes a character who is obviously like a self-insert character. kind Yeah. And a lot of times it's like someone who's like, oh, their life is so bad and nobody understands them. And they're just trying their best. True. Yeah. To be absolutely fair, that is true of Hans Gunster. Christian Anderson as well. Yeah. His life was fucking hard and he was a queer man and he did a lot of cool stuff and yes. he was an icon and good God never let him near me. <laughs> <laughs> but I realized going through this, and this is something that I, I just found out, so I haven't done any research, but I think that a lot of his stories have a self-insert character called the goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Who's just a little goblin. <laughs> 
And he's like, the goblin, you know, the goblin, the nasty little guy that nobody likes. <laughs> and he's so rude. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that it's a, it's like a recurring character through a couple of his stories that is very clearly supposed to be him, like, feeling weird in situations. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I love him very much. <laughs> He's yeah, awful. That's, that's really good. <laughs> so the story that I'm going to tell you today is called The Marsh King's Daughter. Okay. This is also something that comes up in, in a couple of different Hans Christian Andersen stories. A lot of weird, like, hyper-Christian overtones. I'm going to skim over most of it. This, is, this story is 25 pages long. Yeah. And this is, like, this collection right here is printed on, like, the same, like, vellum paper as Bibles. Yeah. The very thin, like, very newspapery thin. paper. Yeah. And in tiny, tiny print, and it is 25 pages long. Jesus Christ. Um, so this is a very condensed version <laughs> of this story that I'm going to tell. I'm going to cut as much of the religious overtones out of it as I can, because it's honestly very preachy and uninteresting. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is like, and then they destroyed the savages with the force of the power of Christ. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe chill. (laughs) So, but a lot of it is cuttable. Some of it is not. Just so you know, there are weird Christian overtones in this one. Uh, Trigger warning. (laughs) Trigger warning for God. (laughs) You might have to hear about God in this story. (laughs) Real sorry. (laughs) But here it is. The Marsh King's Daughter. The frame story for this story is storks telling each other stories. Oh, classic. Yeah. Classic HCA. HCA, yeah. Also, flipping through this collection, I realized that a lot of Hans Christian Andersen stories are, like, anthropomorphized bugs yeah. living very dramatic and sad lives. <laughs> or, like, some plants that are in love with each other, and then they both get eaten by a horse or something. <laughs> Just a lot of objects yeah. having a bad time. <laughs> oh, that's the shirt I want. Object having a bad time. <laughs> Oh, that should be a really good, that would be a really good uh, Women's March poster. (laughs) Sex object having a bad time. (laughs) I want that on booty shorts. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I can't wait for us to have, like, just a horde of booty shorts. Guys, that's coming. That's coming. Just so you know. Booty shorts are coming as sort of the story merch. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the story is told in the context of storks telling each other this story. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is a story that storks feature highly in. So they're like, storks, when they tell stories to their babies, there are like two main stories that they tell to their babies that are like stories about storks. And there's like Moses and the stork on the river and everything. And then there's this story. Mm-hmm. So in our story, there are two storks. And they have their summer home in Denmark, um, in an old Viking castle, which is all made of wood. This is in the Viking era. Okay. The area that the castle is in is in Jutland, or Jutland, I don't know. Jutland. Yeah, which is modern-day Denmark, in an area called Wild Marsh. And this is, like, a huge, broad, like, marsh, moor, swamp. And it is very much like that, like, northern marsh where it's all very like misty and cold and it's hard to tell sometimes before you take a step whether it's like solid ground or just a puddle that you're going to sink into many times in this area where the ground is sort of indeterminate people will find themselves walking around and they will step in the wrong place and then they will sink before they know what's happening which is a phenomenon that happens in the world 
as you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, people will just disappear on the marsh all the time. Yeah. And the story goes that anyone who sinks into the marshes becomes a prisoner of the Marsh King, um, who is a figure who rules the land below the marshland. Big Earl King vibes. Big Earl King vibes. Yeah. So the people who disappear in the marsh sink down to the Marsh King, who rules the land beneath the marsh. Um, not much is known about the Marsh King, and perhaps it's better it stays that way. The two storks who live in the Viking castle are a male stork and a female stork, and they are a mated pair. And they are referred to throughout the story as the stork husband and the stork wife, or the stork father and the stork mother. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the story, the stork wife is sitting on her nest, and she has just laid her first batch of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Brood. Brood? Carton. <laughs> she's just laid her first carton of eggs <laughs> she's sitting on top of her nest on top of the viking castle mm-hmm. and uh it's getting later in the day and the father stork comes home from where he's been out fishing and he looks very upset um and he comes in he was like he was, he says to her like you will not believe what i saw it is so upsetting and she's like okay well maybe don't tell me because i'm sitting on our eggs and if i get upset they could come out weird <laughs> Um, and he's like okay but like can i just tell you the crazy thing and she's like yeah obviously tell me the crazy thing but like just be chill about it (laughs) or these eggs are gonna get messed up (laughs) and so he explains to her he's like i was out on the marshes and i saw the daughter of our egyptian host Hmm. when they fly south for the winter they fly south to egypt and they live in it for the winter they live in a similar nest to the one that they have here in denmark in Egypt. And so they consider um, their nest in the palace of the Egyptian king to be sort of their like summer home, winter home kind of thing. That's also the migratory pattern of the stolen veil, like the, the little swan princesses. In this story. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, wonder if that's actually just where they, where birds go. Entirely from, like, possible. From Denmark, Germany, that area to Egypt. Maybe. They mention Egypt constantly in these stories. Egypt is a huge theme in this story. Okay. And also swans. Yeah. I'll get into it. Oh, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like so the the daughter of our egyptian host like when we go down to egypt for the winter we stay at in our nest at the castle and the daughter of the king of egypt the princess mm-hmm. is like here in denmark i saw her i was out on the marshes and i saw these three swans flying up from the south and i looked at them and i was like oh swans and then i realized immediately like those are not swans those are something pretending to be swans as he's watching the swans alight on the marshland And they take off feathery mantles, and they reveal themselves to be three women. Oh. Wearing swan mantles to (laughs) be swans. (laughs) I jumped the gun. The same. (laughs) The fucking nerd in me was like, Egypt, the migratory pattern of these birds. (laughs) And you were about to talk about how this exact same thing happened. (laughs) Yes. This is part of the uh, Swan Lake Extended Universe. Oh my god. (laughs) The SCU. (laughs) The SLU. SWEU. Swan Lake, S-L-E-U, Slick, Swan Extended <laughs> Universe. The S-L-E-U. <laughs> the slew. It's part of the slew. <laughs> uh, so they take off their feather mantles and they become beautiful women. Um, and two of them are very clearly sisters. And the third is the princess of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So the princess takes off her swan mantle and she hands it to the two women with her. And she's like, okay, you... Take hold of this. I'm going to go dive down into the marsh to find the flower. So if you can just hold on to this until I get back. And she goes and she walks towards the water. And as soon as her back is turned, the two women with her 
take the mantle and they shred it. <gasps> Fucking bitches. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, so they, like, shred this feathery mantle. It's like someone exploded a pillowcase. Mm -hmm. And the princess turns back and is like, what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, you're never getting back to Egypt, and fuck you. And then they put on their mantles and fly away. I wonder if she was a huge dick. Maybe they did Egypt a favor. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's not. (laughs) They're bad. (laughs) In the story, it implies that they are of the same kind of, like, swan lineage. Like, uh, Lita the swan. Yeah. Like, the same thing from from Swan Lake and everything like that, mm-hmm. and from the White Veil, and that they lent this mantle to her so that because she had a task to complete, oh, uh, and they like <laughs> tricked her. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, pretty fucked up. Yeah. Also, whose mantle is that? Anyways, <laughs> uh, so she's just stuck in the middle of the marshland, thousands of miles from home, and she's like, "Oh my god, okay," and she just like sits down. And she looks down into the water and she like dives into the water to try and find this flower. And she comes back up a couple seconds later and she can't find anything. So she just sits down on this little island in the marsh that she's landed on, basically. And she rests against this big alder stump that's on this little like marshland. Mm -hmm. And as she leans back into it, it moves. Uh Uh-oh. And two huge branched arms come up out of the ground as though to embrace her. Mm -hmm. And she sees them moving. She screams and she backs away and stumbles back into the marsh and falls in and disappears. (gasps) And all that the stork sees from then on is like dark brown bubbles rising from the bottom of the swamp. And he waits and she doesn't come back up. Fuck. Yeah. And so he comes back and he tells his wife all of this. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck just happened, but it was really upsetting. And she's like, well, now our babies are going to be weird because I'm super stressed out. And he's like, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Like he said, can I tell you the weird part? And then told her all the upsetting parts. Yeah. (laughs) The weird part would be I saw women. I saw birds turn into women. And then he could have just left it. (laughs) No, that's not the weird part for him. (laughs) And then they committed a murder. (laughs) Yeah, throughout the story, there are all these interjections of his wife being like, well, this is too stressful. Don't tell me anymore. And he's like, okay, I won't tell you anymore. And she's like, well, obviously, I need to know the end of it. So just tell me the rest, but like without any kind of embellishment. And he's this like, is... okay, so then they like <laughs> flew away. And she's like, oh, God, don't tell me anymore. <laughs> but what happened after that? <laughs> this is a pretty good representation of me and you. <laughs> I'm like, I saw a really upsetting spider thing. Can I? And you're like, no. And I'm like, okay. But... <laughs> This is a different situation where I'm like, no, I don't want to see it. And you're like, okay, but like, you should see it. And I'm like, no, I don't want to see it. I will not have a good time. Okay, okay, okay. Can I tell you? And you're like, no, "No, I don't want to know it. (laughs) So this is a different situation. I get the the urge of being like, I can't have this upsetting thing in my head just for me. I have to, I have to spread it. (laughs) Somebody else needs to to have seen this and know this. (laughs) And you go to the person who you're closest to. (laughs) And for me, that's you. Aw, hey, buddy. Anyway, I have this. I don't want to hear about spiders. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the father stork goes back to his wife, stork, and he tells her this whole story. And she's like, oh, my God, that's awful. And he's like, yeah, so she's, like, obviously dead. And she's like, okay, well, I've seen the princess, like, on our winter trips. And she's made of some pretty tough stuff. I'm sure that she'll, you know, be fine one way or another. You know, I'm sure that she's fine. She can take care of herself. And the father stork is like, I don't think so, but if you're sure, I'll like keep an eye out for her. I'll look for her every day. Nice. So from every, every day from that point on, um, when he goes out into the marshes, he 
makes sure to go over that spot and look and he like looks around and see if, sees if there's any sign that the princess has come out of the marsh and there never is this is sad yeah <laughs> this is actually really sad and sweet it's just like she thinks she's been abandoned, but there's one stork that every day that she didn't even see that goes back and looks for her and thinks about her every day. Yeah. Like, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and a couple of months pass and he's still, you know, it's getting towards fall and he's still looking at, mm-hmm. you know, this spot where she's disappeared. And one day he notices that a water lily has started to sprout up. He sees like this like green sprout coming up from the bottom of the marsh in the spot where she disappeared. Mm-hmm. And he sees this like green sprout growing towards the surface and it reaches the surface and then it spreads out into a lily pad and it has a little closed water lily on top of it. And eventually the lily the water lily blooms and inside of the bloom is a perfect tiny little baby. Oh. And at first, the stork is like, oh, my God, the princess is back because this little baby looks exactly like the princess. Oh, my God. And he's like, oh, she went down there and she became a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of makes sense because he knows that, like, the, like, swan-mantled women who come up here often, like, they'll come up and they'll go in the baths to retain their youth. Yeah. And he's like, so it makes sense that she would go in and then she would turn into a baby. <laughs> it does, I guess, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, like swoops down on the marsh and he lands next to this baby and he as he gets closer he realizes that this baby is just a little bit different Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like this must be the princess's daughter with the marsh king oh okay um and so he's looking at this baby and this baby is just kind of like not is like asleep and not really looking at him and he's like okay well someone's got to do something about this (laughs) and he's a stork and he's a stork and he's like okay well I mean, I guess I could bring him back, bring her back to my nest, but we already have so many hatchlings and they're so bad. And I'm so tired all the time. I don't think I can handle another one. This is me finding a stray cat. <laughs> Basically. Oh, and he's no. like, okay, well, this can't be my baby. I can't do that. I don't have the time we'll and foster, I don't have the energy. We'll foster until somebody adopts. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest lie in human history. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. So he bundles this baby up and he's like, everyone always says that storks do this, but I might be the first one to actually do this. (laughs) He bundles up this baby and he brings it back to the castle, the log castle of the Vikings, because the Viking who is the lord of the castle, um, his wife has never had children. Hmm. Um, And he's like, she's a a wonderful woman. She deserves to have a terrible baby. (laughs) Hey, stork. (laughs) Maybe fucking leave her alone. (laughs) All right. She's living her best life right now. So the stork bundles up this little swamp baby. Um, swamp baby! <laughs> and waits until nightfall, and he brings her to the, like, log castle. And he, like, squeezes open one of the windows to the Viking's wife's bedroom. They also only ever call her the Viking's wife, and they sure. call her husband the Viking. Okay. Just so you know. Not great. Um, <laughs> he squeezes open the window to um, the Viking's wife's bedroom. And he, like, sneaks in and he, like, puts the little baby down next to her on the bed. And when she wakes up in the morning, she sees this perfect, like, beautiful little baby. Right? Like, the most beautiful little baby in the entire world. And she's like, oh, my God. A blessing. A gift. (laughs) A gift for me for being a good girl. (laughs) Yeah. And she reaches over and she picks up this baby. And immediately its eyes open. And they're, like, these beautiful, like, clear, bright eyes. And she's like, you're so pretty. You're my baby. And she's just holding this baby. And this baby opens its eyes. And then it opens its mouth and screeches. (laughs) And it starts, like, 
wriggling around in her arms and trying to like claw at her and oh. bite her <laughs> no. like a fucking feral kitten <laughs> just like fully trying to draw blood and she's like oh shush 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 oh my god and this baby just like screams and wails until it tires itself out and like passes out and she's like oh my beautiful baby <laughs> this is how babies are and she's right and she's right um, and she's so excited about her baby. She spends the whole day. She goes around the um, around the castle and she like tidies everything up. She's like, I can't wait for my husband to get home and find out that like we have a baby and he's gonna love this baby so much. And like we've been blessed. We've been trying for a baby forever. I am so excited for him to get here and meet our daughter. She spends the whole day like sprucing up the house and like getting a fire ready for when he gets home. And he doesn't get home that day, but he gets home a couple of days later. So she's kind of just she's waiting in the house. And then that evening she is like tuckered out from cleaning mm-hmm. and she goes up to her room and she like puts the baby down to sleep and goes to bed very early because she's very tired. She puts the baby down to sleep and then she wakes up in the middle of the night and she looks over and the baby is gone. Oh no. She's like, Oh my God, I had the baby for like a day and I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> we just got it. And I've already lost it. <laughs> yeah. So she like sits bolt upright in bed and she flings the blankets back and starts like looking around the room frantically. Mm-hmm. And then she hears from behind her. And she looks and there's a huge toad sitting in the middle of her bed. Did it eat the baby? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big ass, ugly ass, slimy toad just sitting in the middle of her bed. Okay. Her bed is no longer a safe place for her to be. She keeps waking up and a new weird thing is in there. <laughs> Um, And this is, like, in the hours, like, it is, like, just before dawn, but it is still black outside. And so she, like, is, like, okay, there's a fucked up toad in my room. And she goes and she, like, grabs something and goes to, like, squish the toad. Oh, no. But she's, like, she turns back and the toad just looks at her with these, like, soulful eyes. (laughs) She's, like, okay, I guess that might be an overreaction. The priority here is to find the baby. (laughs) (laughs) This weird thing has to wait until morning. (laughs) So she keeps looking around her room and she sees like the first little like pink uh, pinpricks of light coming over the horizon. She throws open the window um, so that she can see better as she's like tossing things around in her room to try and find the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And a little beam of sunlight comes in through the window and touches the frog. And she watches as the frog stretches out and its legs like unkink and its skin turns like pale again and this frog stretches out and becomes a beautiful baby oh my god it's a fiona situation <laughs> <It is. laughs> oh my god this tail is shrekian <laughs> it is shrekian <laughs> this is basically just shrek i'll be honest um it wasn't until i was writing my notes but i was like oh this is shrek <laughs> I'm, just t- I'm just telling shrek <laughs> i'm just telling you shrek oh my gosh <laughs> guys happy shrekmas <laughs> happy shreksmas <laughs> Max said Shrek'smas and then gave a panic look. <laughs> um, so this toad turns into the baby and she's like, okay, the baby is the toad. The toad is the baby. Um, and over the course of the following days. You remind me of the toad. What toad? No, I mean the baby. <laughs> what baby? The t- toad, toad baby. <laughs> the baby toad. I don't fucking know. <laughs> this script has gone off the rails. <laughs> So she sees this toad turn back into the baby and she's like, okay, so they're the, they're the same thing. This is a baby that turns into a toad. Um, and immediately as soon as this baby turns back into a baby, it starts like howling like a wild cat again and like scratching at her and like just like being <laughs> awful. <laughs> she's like, okay, this baby might suck actually. <laughs> 
But she spends the following days and she kind of learns the rules. The rules of this baby are during the daytime, she is a beautiful, like perfect angel child mm-hmm. who has the temper of a fucking javelina. Just like... <laughs> Biting and clawing. And this baby is mean. Like, this is not just, like, a baby who is, like, going crazy and, like, trying to defend itself. No, 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 no. This is a baby that wants to hurt you. (laughs) This is a baby that wants the world to burn. (laughs) This baby cannot be around small animals. No. (laughs) Or fire. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) And then during the night, the baby, as soon as the sun goes down, the baby turns into this huge, like, this huge fucked up frog. It's, like, uglier than a normal frog. Toad. It uses them interchangeably, as always. Yeah. Again, I know the difference between frogs and toads. It uses them interchangeably. This is not me being dumb. This is just how fairy tales work. (laughs) I was waiting for this speech, and I was like, oh, maybe Max finally feels comfortable enough to just, like, do (laughs) something. No! (laughs) It is described as being more like a toad, but they use the word frog a bunch of times. Okay. So... Big old toad. Yeah. So at night, um, this baby girl turns into like an ugly toad-like monster, but it has these like big, sweet, soulful eyes, and it can't talk, but it like has these croaks that almost sound like a like like a sort of like a a plaintive cry, like a baby a little mm-hmm. bit, but not like screaming, wailing, screeching like the human baby is, but like just like a very sad like baby kind of. Yeah. And the Viking's wife. She, you know, every night she, like, kind of takes care of, every day, every night she takes care of this little girl. Um, But she comes to realize that she likes her especially at night. Because this toad will just, like, hang out with her. It'll just, like, sit on her lap. And she, like, she'll tell it stories and everything like that. And it's just this, like, sweet toad with, like, the biggest, sweetest eyes who really genuinely seems to love her. (laughs) Okay. Imagine a big, wide toad that is your weighted blanket at night. Oh, God. That'd be so good. Yeah. That'd be really good. And it would be really good. <laughs> Probably really good for your skin, too. Okay. Oh, I don't like... He's not slimy. So, he's not slimy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, Max, in my fantasy, not slimy. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> so, a couple of days pass, and she kind of learns the ropes for this baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then her husband comes home, the Viking. Um, and he comes home with his whole raiding party. They've been on a raid. <laughs> Cool. And so all of these men like bust into her house and immediately there's a huge celebratory feast Mm -hmm. and like people are wasted and they're like breaking everything and they like eat for just hours on end. And she's like at the head of the table with her husband who just will not stop talking about how great this raid went. And she's like, oh, you have a baby. Oh, here she is. And she like shows him the baby girl. It's like daytime. So it's like a baby girl. But she kind of decides in this moment, she's like, he can't know. That sometimes she's not a baby because he's like a very superstitious, like, like sort of one track mind, black and white kind of person. Yeah. So he's like, he will, he will kill this baby. He sounds like a bad person. Yeah. He is. Okay. (laughs) So she's like, I can't, he can't know about like the other side of this baby basically because he will murder my baby. Yeah. And the only thing I like about my baby is when she's not a human baby. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. She hates her human daughter. Yeah. <laughs> she loves her frog daughter. Aww. <laughs> but she, like, is like, hey, you have a baby. Um, and she, like, brings out this little baby girl. And the Viking's like, oh, wild. <laughs> she's so pretty. And he goes to, like, coochie-coochie-coo in her face. And she fucking bites him. Uh, I <laughs> and like he's the like feral daughter, <laughs> actually. He loves his feral daughter. Oh, no. Uh, in a way that is very toxic. <laughs> There's a line. What is it? The savage temper that went along with her 
daytime beauty rather pleased him, and he said that she might grow up to be a stalwart soldier maid, able to hold her own, the sort who would not flinch if a skilled hand, in fun, took a sharp sword and cut off her eyebrows for practice. (laughs) Oh, fuck. So he's like, she's going to be just like one of the boys. She's going to be not like other girls. This reminds me of that scene in Hercules, the Disney movie, Mm -hmm. where baby Hercules, like, throws Zeus around and he's like, ha! Like, are they, like, bonk each other? Like, I don't know. Yeah. What does he do? He, like... Yes. He does something to show off his strength and Zeus is so proud of him, <laughs> even though he's, like, ruining stuff. Yeah. That's it's Zeus. very much the same. Where the, the Viking is like, wow, she's a tough little fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, and he's very excited about his strong, rude baby. <laughs> uh, but, of course, he spends all of his time off on raids, so it's not like he has to handle a child who has this ridiculous temper and yeah. truly, genuinely a mean streak. So mm-hmm. he doesn't actually have to deal with, like, the negative parts of having this child. Yeah. So he, of course, he loves her. Um, He's like, this is great. I love my terrible, 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 terrible (laughs) little hell monster daughter. (laughs) So a few weeks pass and eventually he goes off on another raid, right? Mm -hmm. In the meantime, the storks have left. Um, It is now wintertime and they have migrated down to Egypt for the winter. Mm -hmm. They are (laughs) down in Egypt and all of the baby storks are, like, running around and eating toads and stuff like that. That, like, the when the Nile, like, swells and then, like, dries up a little bit, it leaves a bunch of, like, big fat frogs in kind of, like, <laughs> the, on the banks. Yeah, on the banks. And so all of these little toads are like, I'm going to eat all of them. And they're yeah. just running around eating all of these frogs. And the mother stork and the father stork are like, okay, but you're going to give yourself an upset stomach, so slow down. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> they're winter home at the palace of the Egyptian king, they get there and the Egyptian king is still very sick. He is like in a place between living and dying. And they find out that the reason why his daughter was in Denmark is because she heard that there was a flower that could cure him and bring him back up to health, um, which is what she was there looking for. Hmm. These wise men had said that the king could only be cured using some sort of mysterious power. And all they would say about the power is that love brings life. Mm-hmm. So the princess took this like really vague and confusing sort of explanation for how to save her dad. And she went to the Sphinx and she prayed at the feet of the Sphinx. Yeah. And she received a vision of this sort of like lake in the marsh in Denmark. And it was like, you have to go to this marsh and you have to pluck a water lily and bring it back for your father. And it is the only thing that can cure him. Yeah. So that's how she ended up up there in Denmark in the first place. So her father is still here and he is very ill and he isn't like dying quickly or anything like that. He's just in this like awful sickly state. Yeah. As the storks kind of arrive, so too do the swan maidens Mm. who (laughs) stranded the princess up in Denmark. Uh, And they fuck yourselves. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And they go to the king who is lying ill in his bed and they're like, we are so sorry, but like something <laughs> awful happened. We were with the princess and like we were all having so much fun and she we were all like best friends. We were like <laughs> best girlies. And this terrible thing happened where the three of us were flying and then a huntsman shot her with an arrow and she sang a beautiful song as she sort of like floated down into the forest and 
died and we were so ruined and we just we found her body and we created a beautiful like burial mound for her and we buried her and then we got vengeance for her and we tied hot coals to the feet of a sparrow that lived inside of the huntsman's house and then sent it back home and it lit his house on fire and he fucking died you guys are birds you should know not to do that (laughs) (laughs) um like we lit his fucking house on fire and the flames of his house burning down glittered across the lake so that they could be seen by the burial mound where we left the princess so don't even worry we already got revenge for her like (laughs) awful and unjust death but she is gone so like i guess we're like basically your daughters now (laughs) uh and the king is like (laughs) it hurts so bad But the father stork hears all of this and he's like, those fucking liars. Yeah. (laughs) And he goes back to his wife and he's like, you will not believe the shit that they just pulled. Mm -hmm. Like, they came back and they lied about everything that happened. He's like, I have half a mind to go and poke their eyes out. Yeah. And (laughs) the mother stork is like, okay, but... Your beak is not as strong as it used to be, and you would probably break it. So how about before you worry about getting vengeance for someone we don't know, you come here and you take care of your family. (laughs) Oh, oh, and she got a good point, too. Yeah, and he's like, okay, well, it's still fucked up. It's still fucked up, and they're bad, and they should be punished. And she's like, okay, sure, but, like, you have other things to worry about. And he's like, no, it's fine. I'm just going to – you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go – the next time (laughs) they leave their mantle anywhere, I'm going to go and steal them. And then they will be stuck here, you know? And it'll be such a good – what if he steals their mantle and he's like, haha, I got this. And all of a sudden he's like, what is happening to me? And he just becomes like a man. And he's like, no, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That'd be really good. <laughs> I wish this is how it worked. <laughs> that would be really, really good. <laughs> Guys. Yeah. So far, I, I, I hate to constantly shame you all. But you've been listening for 112 episodes, and nobody has sent us their Wattpad fanfiction for any of these stories that we have asked for. <laughs> please, somebody, please <laughs> write us a fanfiction where a stork steals these swan princesses' mantle and then accidentally becomes a, a man <laughs> and hates it. Thank you. <laughs> Good. What if he puts on the mantles and he becomes a man with like a jaunty little cap and he's like, ah! and then he takes off a little like cap and he's a swan again, or like a stork again. Mm. That'd be good. That'd be pretty good. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you done? <laughs> I mean, probably not, <laughs> but you should continue. <laughs> um, so You're doing a very good job of telling the story. P.S. I'm having a great time. Thank you. It's so good. <laughs> Um, so he's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and steal their shit and that'll show them. And she's like, what are you going to do with a couple of feather mantles that you're going to steal from these girls? And he's like, I'll bring them back home. I don't know. Maybe if the princess comes out of the marsh, she'll need them. Mm -hmm. And the wife is like, why would she need two? Obviously they only need one. He's like, well, it's colder up North. So (laughs) she should just bundle up. Yeah. And also this is a great plan. Shut up. (laughs) And she's like, okay, but how are you going to carry them home? And he's like, I'll carry them most of the way. And if I need to take a break, one of the boys can carry it. Yeah. For a little bit. And if it's too heavy, we can just leave it somewhere and pick it up next year. Um, And she's like, all right, fine. Do what you got to do, I guess. And he's like, great, I will. And he goes and he flies off to steal the things. And literally in the story, she like watches him fly away. And she's like, God, he's such an idiot. Oh, he's so handsome, though. She's like watching him fly away. And she's like, God, my husband's so hot. I'm never going to tell him. I'm never going to tell him. (laughs) 
which is great. <laughs> Relatable. She's just like, he's so fucking frustrating and stupid. God damn it, he's so hot. She's, I think that she's married to a himbo stork. Yeah. <laughs> Who's really into true crime and vengeance. Oh my God. <laughs> I love him so I much. I love him. This is the hottest character we've ever had. This is one of my favorite, like, couples in any story we've ever told. They're just great. I love that she's like, or you could just shut the fuck up and, like, do your job. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking care of all these little babies, and you're out there, like, checking a march for some girl you don't know. <laughs> but he flies off, and he goes and steals the mantles. <laughs> and when they return to the marshes up in Denmark in the springtime, uh, they bring the mantles with them. Okay. During this period of time, the girl who has been named Helga, although everyone agrees that that doesn't really suit her because um, Mm -hmm. Helga is a name for a human baby and not the embodiment of just awful. (laughs) Her name is Shriek Wolf. (laughs) 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 Truly, her name is Knife Blood. (laughs) Just like blood. She's awful. Oh, (laughs) so good, though. (laughs) Um, This little girl is named Helga. And over the course of the following years, she grows into a terrible little girl. (laughs) Truly like a cruel, nasty, rude little girl. She tells her father all the time. She's like, Daddy, if you were asleep and someone came and ransacked the castle and burned it down and it like fell on your head, I wouldn't even try to wake you up. I would just watch from outside and I would laugh. (laughs) And he's like, I love my daughter. (laughs) Ah, you little psycho. (laughs) You're the best. Here's a piece of ham. (laughs) Um, And every time her mother like comes out and like tries to do anything that isn't just like wrangling her awful daughter, her daughter pretends to go and drown in the well. (laughs) And her mom has to, like, drag her out. And then as soon as she picks her up, her daughter starts, like, biting her. And she's like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> okay, I I have a first grader who's exactly like this. <laughs> Just so fucking exhausted. And the Viking is like, she's so funny. And the Viking's wife is like, I want to kill myself. <laughs> this is awful. Mm-mm. And every day with this child is hell. This child, like goes out of their way to make sure that nobody ever has a good time. <laughs> I have I have a first grader who's this kind of chubby little blonde girl. She's the cutest thing ever. She has big glasses and she wears a little backpack all the time. She never takes it off. And at the car rider line every day, she's like talking to other kids. And I'm like, there's no talking in the car rider line. And if I say that to her, she like narrows her eyes at me and then slips like water under the table, like hands <laughs> last. <laughs> and then I'm like, get get up come up uh uh-uh we're not doing that and she's like like and she'll just like make noises at me and i'm like come on come up here we're gonna sit at the big table now you can't sit here and she's like no and if you come under here i'll bite you and i was like you can try (laughs) she goes well then i'll bite myself and then she will legitimately just put her arm in her mouth and just start (laughs) gnawing her own arm like corn (laughs) and this is every single fucking day (laughs) feral (laughs) just for once (laughs) could you just chill (laughs) no she cannot and she will not (laughs) she will not be tamed (laughs) no like helga this isn't this isn't in the story but if i could like personify how this child acts if you tried to bake this child a birthday cake she would piss in the oven To make sure that nobody gets cake and everyone has to smell pee. (laughs) Just like a ruiner. (laughs) Happy birthday to me. This is all I wanted. (laughs) 
happy birthday to the ground. <laughs> happy birthday to the ground. <laughs> so just a terrible child. Yeah. Um, but at night, it's she's this big snuggly toad who just like sits with her mom and her mom is like, you were so <laughs> bad today. <laughs> you were so bad. And this toad just like looks at her sympathetically and is like, <laughs> I know. Slap, really slap, sorry. slap. That's this little like horrible toad paw slapping her in the face reassuringly. <laughs> so very clearly um, the Viking's wife at this point is like absolutely hates her human daughter <laughs> and loves her toad daughter more than anything in the world. And like sometimes she'll just be like, God, I wish you were a toad all the time. <laughs> you are so sweet. I love you so much. <laughs> Do you think she puts the toad uh, in little dresses? Probably. Oh, I assume. That's good. Yeah. That's good for me. <laughs> so one year, the Viking goes off on a raid, and when he returns, he has captured. Here's the Christianity part. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Jesus uh, when, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he returns, he comes with a captured Christian priest. Okay. Um, on his travels, he's encountered this Christian priest and being... The horrible, bloodthirsty Viking that he is, uh, he was like, there shall be no Christ in my lands. Mm. And so he and his men capture the priest and they bind him hand and foot and they bring him back home as like kind of a joke. They're like, look at this fucking asshole. We hate him. (laughs) (laughs) And as soon as they get home, they like throw him in the cellar of the palace. Yeah. And... They're like, wow, what an idiot. What a stupid asshole. He was up there talking about, like, some kind of god that, like, loves you. <laughs> uh, and he ha- he was in this, like, big old building that was full of, like, gold and stuff. And everyone was like, uh, we love God and God loves us. It's, like, pff, stupid, right? <laughs> and so, obviously, we took all of their stuff. And also, we took this idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're so cool. Yeah. Um, and the Viking's wife is hearing all of this and she's like, she has heard whisperings of Christ. And she's like, I actually kind of agree with that. And I think he's actually pretty cool, but I would never tell anyone because I'm a Viking heathen. Yeah. But she, uh, you know, kind of secretly is like, I mean, this Christianity thing maybe ain't so bad. Yeah. So they haul in this priest, they throw him in the cellar and she's like, why are you doing that to that man? Like, he is not doing it. He never did anything wrong. Um, And he looks, I mean... He doesn't look like a bad guy. He looks like Balder, who is one of the Norse gods. Oh, so he's hot. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Also, bold of you to assume he's never done anything wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's like, uh, he looks like Balder, and you're throwing him in the cellar. And, like, don't you feel like that's a little bit bad? (laughs) Maybe maybe you're bad? And the Viking is like, nope, I can't do anything wrong, and I don't want to think about anything. (laughs) And she's like, okay, well, I feel sorry for him. And now to punish him, I'm going to make him spend an hour with my terrible daughter. (laughs) Funny you should mention. So she's like, I feel sorry for him. Like, honestly, I feel like you should let him go. Mm -hmm. And hearing this, her terrible human daughter is like, I think we should never let him go. (laughs) You know what I think we should do? I think we should tie his feet to wild oxen, and then we should set hounds on the oxen so the hounds eat him and they eat the oxen and there's blood everywhere <laughs> <laughs> who let the kid pitch ideas <laughs> and the viking is like oh honey that's a sweet idea but what we're gonna do is human sacrifice him on the altar to our pagan gods okay and everyone's like oh cool that's fun oh my lord that's a good oh, idea. great idea oh, my goodness. that's so stellar <laughs> <laughs> this is why we pay you the big bucks <laughs> yes 
Oh, I should tell you also, they mentioned having an altar, like, right outside of the castle. Um, yeah. Like, this Viking altar to the Viking gods and everything. Yeah. Uh, and one of the anecdotes about how horrible this little girl is, is that they do, like, animal sacrifices all the time. They do say that this is, like, the first time that they would ever do a human sacrifice. Mm. But they do animal sacrifices to the gods all the time. And they describe, like, whenever the priest, he, like, finishes his speech and he goes to, like, kill the ceremonial chicken or whatever. Mm-hmm. Helga will run up to the altar and grab the chicken and bite its head off. And they're like, okay, well, we needed to sacrifice that. And she's like, okay, she was just ahead of her time. Okay. If she was around the time that Ozzy Osbourne was alive, they would have gotten, like, they would have gotten along. She just, she's so she would have been awful. And they're like, opening act. okay, well, now we have to go find another chicken. <laughs> just an awful little girl. They really need to put one of those backpack leashes on her. <laughs> or just a regular leash, honestly. Oh, Shriek Wolf. <laughs> so the Viking is like, no, we're gonna we're gonna human sacrifice him to the gods. Mm-hmm. And Helga's like, ooh, yeah. Can I Daddy, can I hold the knife? Daddy, can I please? Can I please? Can I be the one to kill him? Daddy, please. And he's like, okay, honey, if you're good. <laughs> and this is fucked up. Uh <laughs> I get additional content warning for additional animal violence okay she like goes and she like grabs a knife and she starts sharpening it and she's like i'm gonna kill him so good what a fucking terrifying psycho (laughs) yeah and then all of the like hunting dogs that her dad hunts with like come up and start like sniffing at her and she stabs one of them my god just for fun and she's like i just wanted to make sure it was sharp enough Psycho. Full psycho. Oh my god. She's insane. She's gonna murder so many people. (laughs) And her foster mother, the Viking's wife, is watching and she's like, oh, this kid's fucking evil. Yeah. She's like, oh my god, I should have, like, I honestly should never have taken this kid in. Yeah. Like, I should have told my husband what she was when he got home and that he would have left her out to die of exposure and that would be better. Like, this kid is fully evil. Yeah. She's going to do murder. So she's realizing kind of like, oh, this isn't just a bad child. This is like an evil person. Yeah. And like that night she like cries to her toad daughter and she's like, you're so bad. <laughs> oh, you are no. so bad and evil. Like, I, I wish that you were a toad all the time, or I wish that you had never been born, because you are awful. Yeah. You are fully evil. Oof. Um, And this kind of, like, something in the little toad daughter, like, this oh. hits a little bit. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> and after her mother has kind of, like, cried herself to sleep, the toad daughter, plat, 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 no. o- over to the door. <laughs> And she lifts the latch and she plat, plat, plat down the hallway and down the stairs and down to the cellar. Mm -hmm. And she like takes a knife. She goes down to the cellar, plat, 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 plat. (laughs) (laughs) And she finds the Christian priest and she like puts her little wet little frog paw on him and like shakes him to wake him up. And he wakes up and is like, ha, (laughs) Jesus. Just a giant toad with a knife. (laughs) A giant toad with a knife. And also it, de- it describes as she gets older, she still looks very like toad-like, but like her body is kind of distended in the way where it's like part goblin, part toad, where it can like walk on two legs, <laughs> oh, but it God. still looks like a toad. <laughs> and its face is like even more fucked up. So he like sees this thing. And he's like, ha! Ah. <laughs> what the fuck are you? And he kind of jumps and he has, he's like bound hand and foot. And she like, just like puts her little frog paw on him. And <sighs> she like cuts the binds on his uh, ankles and wrists. Yeah. And like beckons him to come with her and goes back up the stairs into the main part of the house. And he's like, okay, well, I guess she's here to help. God has sent me a fucked up little guy. (laughs) Thank you, God. Thanks, God. For the the bounty of this fucked up little guy. (laughs) 
Uh, so he follows this toad out of the uh, wooden castle and to the stables where <laughs> this toad very skillfully like unlatches one of the horses and like saddles it <laughs> and then like jumps up on the front of the saddle and like pats the seat behind it and <laughs> the priest gets up behind her and is like thank you for helping me and she's like she can't talk <laughs> uh but like they ride off together nice. um and she helps like guide the horse but obviously she can't hold the reins because she's a little <laughs> Um, and as they are riding off, he is, like, rejoicing. He is singing hymns. Oh, no. Yeah, he is singing hymns and, like, preaching his joy to the world. And this little frog is kind of listening and being like, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. No, um, no, no. The sun's <laughs> going to come up eventually. <laughs> um, and so they ride and they ride. And this toad is like, wow, this guy's saying some stuff that I really like. <laughs> and uh, she keeps, like, sometimes he says things and she feels, like, this, like, shame at the way that she acts during the daytime. And she keeps trying to, like, throw herself off the horse oh. because she's like, this guy is, like, doing good stuff and maybe I shouldn't be here. Oh. Uh, and he keeps catching her and, like, putting her back on the horse and being like, no, stay here. You're safe. It's okay. <laughs> oh, no. But they just ride all night long. And morning comes and the first rays of sunlight hit her and she sort of slides sideways off the horse. <laughs> and he's like, oh, God. And he, like, pulls the horse over and he jumps off to come and get her. And as he watches, she turns into this, like, beautiful woman who's, like, like a young adult at this point. Yeah. She turns into this beautiful young woman. And he's like, were you the, were you the toad? And she says, I'm going to fucking kill you! <laughs> she grabs the little knife that she has and tries to fucking stab him and he's like ah! <laughs> oh no and they end up like wrestling and he like he almost dies a bunch of times and he like knocks the knife out of her hand and she's just like biting him and screeching okay but let's be <laughs> we have to now be fair to her she doesn't know what happened she went to sleep and she woke up like alone with a strange priest <laughs> <laughs> i might start swinging a knife too <laughs> <laughs> she says in the story specifically let me get at you let me get at you and plunge my knife into your heart <laughs> catch me outside how about that <laughs> he's like what are you saying what language are you speaking right now <laughs> and he's just fucking fighting for his life mm -hmm. and eventually like they're wrestling under this big oak tree and she like lunges for him and her foot catches on one of the oak roots and she like trips and falls and he's able to like kind of pin her and he's like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and he's like well this is obviously a demon <laughs> Yes. The very nice frog that I was talking to <laughs> has been possessed by a demon. Yes. Um, and so he takes some holy water out and he like sprinkles it on this frog and he like does a, like an exorcism on her basically and like starts like chanting prayers over her and she stops squirming. And the exorcism doesn't work because she's not a Christian. <laughs> but she does see him doing this and she's like, oh, fuck, he's a wizard. Oh, no. So she, like, quiets down and, like, sits very politely and just sort of, like, looks at him. And he's like, okay, good. <laughs> Great. Good. <laughs> he's like, okay, we should still go, though, because I am still a Christian and everyone in this land is trying to kill me. So... If we get on the horse, are you going to try and kill me? And she's like, mm. He's like, okay, 
you're gonna go in the back so that you can't kill me. <laughs> That's not a good plan. I agree. What the fuck? I agree. I, it makes more sense to have her in front, but regardless, this is like, he's like, I'm gonna put you in the back so you can't hurt me, okay? <laughs> Unless there's like a motorcycle sidecar situation. <laughs> or she's backwards. Yeah, but even, That would make sense. Even then, though. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. But she kind of like grumbles and he's like, okay. I'm going to put you on the horse now, okay? And she's like, mm. <laughs> he puts her on the horse. And then he gets on the horse and they continue to ride. And they ride all day long. Yeah. And as it's getting towards nightfall, um, they pass out of this forest and like through a wide field and into another forest. Um, and the sun is starting to go down. And suddenly they burst into this clearing and there are a bunch of robbers. Mm. And the robbers all like hear them coming and take out their weapons and sort of like surround them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, Looks like you kidnapped a girl there, huh? Where'd uh-huh. you get her from? She must be tied up. Maybe. Oh. Or she's just like a beautiful girl and there's a oh. Christian priest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, where'd you get that? <laughs> and he's like, it's none of your business and leave us alone. And they're like, okay, counterpoint. And then they stab the horse in the neck. Oh. And the horse rears back and tosses both of them off. Yeah. Um, and then falls down on its side and it's just bleeding. Oh my God. I hate this. I know. And Helga uh, immediately throws herself over this horse's neck because even though she is a little hell beast child, mm-hmm. it reveals that like this is her horse. Oh. Yeah, that she, like, took out of the stables, and this horse is, like, one of the only things that she isn't mean to. Um, And so she, like, throws herself over the horse's neck to try and protect it from the robbers. Yeah. And the Christian priest steps between her and the robbers to protect her and, Mm -hmm. like, holds out his shield and is like, no, like, you guys aren't going to touch her. And the robbers all close in on him, and they're like... Or what if we fucking do? Yeah. And then one of them takes a hammer and hits the priest across the head. Oh. And his fucking skull splits open and he falls down on top of uh, Helga just dead. What the fuck? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This the story took such a weird turn. Yeah. I have a little bit of whiplash, actually. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. <clears throat> so he, his crumpled body collapses on top of her and the robbers are like, okay, great. So... Let's get to robbery. Um, And they, like, pull her out from under him. Uh, And just at that moment, the sun sinks below the horizon and she turns into a frog creature. And they're like, oh, Christ. (laughs) And immediately, because they're still in Denmark and this is still, like, the Norse religious territory. They're like, oh, God, Loki played a trick on us. We've got to get out of here right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's a complete Loki move. Yes. Um, And so they all run away. Yeah. And so now there's just this very sad little toad. And she goes over and she, like, um, takes some water from the river and she like tries to wash off the priest's face. Um, but he is fully dead and the horse has bled out and she like tries to wipe it down and there's nothing that she can oh do. My God. Yeah, it's horrifying. Super, super sad. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing that she can do. Um, the end. Anyway, on to my goofy tale. Um, and she's like, uh, she like sits there with them until, um, like it keeps getting later and darker and everything. And she's like, okay, wild animals are going to start showing up and like trying to eat them. And she's like, I've got to get them like safe from animals. How is she going to drag a whole ass horse? Great question. Okay. Um, so she's like, I've got to, she's like, I've got to put them in the ground so that they don't get like 
eaten. Yeah. Um, so she finds a big stick and she uses that to kind of like dig a hole in the ground, which is really hard because yeah. she's a toad. And it says, specific- this is really visceral and upsetting. It says specifically, she like works so hard with this shovel that her, like the webbing between her fingers is just shredded. Oh my God. Yeah. It's horrifying. They like describe her like the like tatters of the web- webbing between her fingers. And it's just like a bloody mess. Sad. Um, she's working so hard to try and b- dig this grave. Um, but she digs this grave kind of under them and, like, uses all of her strength to roll them into the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she goes and collects up, like, logs and stones and everything and makes, like, a burial mound over both of them. Mm-hmm. And then by that point, it's, like, morning. And the sun comes up and she turns it back into a horrible little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first time, this horrible little girl has, like, tears in her eyes. Oh. And she climbs up a tree that's right next to the burial mound, and she gets as high as she possibly can, and she just sits there for the whole day. Yeah. And then as it starts to get dark again, she climbs down and then turns back into a toad. Just a really sad, weird detail. Can the girl and the toad, do they have each other's memories? Do they know what the other one does? Are they the same, like, consciousness? Unclear. Okay. It seems like they're separate consciousnesses. Conscious nigh. (laughs) uh, Before... And then as she starts to, like, maybe be like, maybe I should be better, they become more, like... Unified? Yeah, exactly. That's Mm -hmm. what it seems like. So (laughs) she comes back down and she sees that the the priest, when they had stopped before, he had taken two big branches and he had lashed them together in the shape of a cross that he had carried the whole time that they were riding. Mm -hmm. And she sees that this, like, uh, greenwood branch has fallen you know, where they were attacked. And she takes it and she like sticks it in the ground next to the burial mound. And she's like, I feel like I have to do something. And so she's never like used these words before, but she still gets the impression that they are like words of sort of comfort. And so she repeats like phonetically from memory, some of the words that she heard the priest saying. Um, And one of them sounds like a name that uh, she could tell, like he felt very strongly about. Yeah. The name is God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I do feel like we have to say the displeasure at the Christianity in this story is specifically at how Christianity invaded these old folk stories mm-hmm. and like took over and completely changed the narrative in a very insidious way. This is like a very specific to telling old folk tales. Like, it's a trope that comes up more and more. It's not saying if you currently believe in God, we're like, ugh, go fuck yourselves. Like, it's, no, this is, this is very <laughs> I, I do feel like we come yeah. down really hard on this, but it's very specifically as, like, people interested in folklore. Like, it just, it comes up so much, in sp- especially European tales and Norse tales. Like, Christianity came in and kind of ruined the old tales and then also got rid of a bunch of sources. So we have to guess on how people... Mm-hmm. How we have to guess on like historical points of view, and that's a bummer, and that's directly because of Christianity. But we're not yeah. coming down on current Christians. Yes, yeah. Also, Hans, Hans Christian Andersen uh, is—he <laughs> has uh, Christianity as a major motif in a lot of his stories, mm-hmm. and it is always in a very like holier than thou. Like, yeah. Ah, uh, but they were saved by the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, great. There's a lot of like saviorism. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the Grimm's brothers do the same thing where she's like, oh, okay, like a literal deus ex machina will come in and it's just that everybody died except for Christians. And you're just like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like writing a really compelling story and, story and then at the end and being like, and then God came down and fixed everything and all the bad people died. That's a lot <laughs> of Irish tales, too. Yeah. Anyway, so I just wanted to put that in. Yes, to be I'm very like, clear. We are, so we are very cavalier and we will continue to be very cavalier about that. Yeah. But it's a very specific to folklorism. Yes. And I do think that there's something very sweet about the fact that she, like, didn't understand what he was saying, but, like, understood that the words meant something to him. And so, like, after he died, she was like, this might be what he would have wanted. Yeah, um, And even not understanding it kind of understands, like, a message of hope, kind yeah. of, um, which is very sweet. That is. But so she sort of repeats phonetically from memory some of the words that she heard him say. Mm-hmm. And as she does so, um, she sort of, like, passes – she, like, does the sign of the cross, which she's seen him do a couple of times. So she sort of, like, gives it her best shot over his grave. And as she does so, she sees, like, the skin on her hands start to fall away. The, like, (laughs) ragged frog skin. As she does, her skin starts to fall off. (laughs) Oh, God. Am I bad? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) But, like, the frog skin on her frog hands starts to, like, sort of – wrinkle up and like fall off and she goes over to the river and she like washes her hands and as she does like all of this frog skin falls away and she sees like like healthy white skin underneath yeah and she like scrubs her hands and she scrubs her arms and all of the frog skin peels away Mm. and she becomes like a girl again yeah um and she still has the empathy of the frog daughter um but now she's a human all the time okay um, so it's like she she was split into good and evil. And so now she's like a, a whole person that has both. Yeah. Okay. The way that the story explains it is that it says that she's like good because her mother was good. And then like the frog parts of herself, like the physical nature of like being a toad person and mm-hmm. also the like terrible temper come from her father. Oh, no. Yeah. That is bleak for the Egyptian princess. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. And, like, her beauty during the daytime and her, like, kindness during the nighttime come from her mother. Okay. So that's kind of how it's explained is that she's, like, you know, yeah. like, two worlds, etc. Oof. So she, like, washes everything off, but she's still, like, she doesn't, she's not thrilled about this. She's, this is just something that happened. And also she's fucking exhausted. And so, like, she just kind of, like, finishes washing off and then she just curls up on the ground and passes out because she's so tired. <laughs> At midnight. Mm-hmm. She wakes up from this very, very deep sleep because she sees something glowing. And this glow kind of comes over her and she opens her eyes and she sees her horse who has like an ethereal glow around its face. And there is one point of light that is like casting a beam out from its neck where it was stabbed. Mm. And then she looks further up and she sees that the priest is sitting on the horse's back and he has like the same like golden glowing complexion and he has um the like gash across his head yeah has become like the, a beam of light um mm-hmm. so that it looks like a golden crown cool yeah which i think is a cool detail it's very jesusy but also if you take away the jesusy bits it's a very cool yeah image. angelic this yeah. does prove that horses go to heaven so true <laughs> very true confirmed confirmed <laughs> all horses go to heaven all horses do go to heaven <laughs> confirmed thank you hca answering the big questions that everybody was asking (laughs) and he uh tells her that they have to go back to the marsh and he's like you know i knew from the beginning that you were not like an evil thing and now that you've kind of 
seen the light and you're a good person now. We have to go back to the marshes because there's one more thing you have to do. Mm. So he pulls her up onto the horse and they ride through the forest on this like ghost slash dead horse Mm -hmm. with this ghost slash dead man behind her and everything. And they ride through the forest at like breakneck speed. And as they do so, they are like jumping over all of these old like piles of stones that are old burial grounds. Yeah. And as they do so, um, all of these ancient like Norse warriors who are buried on their war horses, all um, like this a spectral version of them comes out of the ground and they ride on their horses and they follow them. Whoa. And they all ride towards the marsh. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh shit. What? This is like act three of this. I know, right? This is <laughs> what the fuck? It's crazy. You know, in the new Hunger Games movie. <laughs> It's split up into three parts that could honestly have been their own movie, mm-hmm. which is what's so great about the new Hunger Games movies. They were like, no, we're just putting it all in one. Yeah. So it's like an over three hour long movie. But that's what this is. Like, there's like a very specific, like, tropey beginning. And mm-hmm. then there's her life leading up and like evil and fighting through it. And now there's like a ghost army go to like raise the dead. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's, <laughs> you're going to hate this, but this is the arc of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I don't hate that. Why do you think I hate Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Guys, Janie hates Lord of the Rings. If there's I one thing in, in this world that the she Hobbit, Max. <laughs> I was one of the intro stars of The Hobbit. <laughs> How dare you forget my important role? Janie was in an ad for Bush Gardens. Bush Gardens Christmas Town. <laughs> that aired before The Hobbit in some places. <laughs> I was an elf. So one of Legolas's crew. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Janie doesn't hate Lord of the Rings. I just pretend like she does because she doesn't like it as much as I do. <laughs> because I don't want to marathon through all of the Lord of the... That's, all, that's two days worth of just like sitting there. I don't hate it. I don't see what's And again, wrong I'm technically related to Legolas. <laughs> I played one of Santa's elves. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so all of these like ancient warriors who all have these like glowing gold crowns and these capes that like flap out behind them. And they all have like a glowing gold spot wherever like the wound was that killed them. Yeah. Just wild. That is a so very cool. cool fucking That's detail. a really fucking metal detail. Um, they ride for the marsh. And as they finally get to the spot where the Egyptian princess disappeared, mm-hmm. they ride up to the edge of the sort of like lake in the marsh where she disappeared and they stop and the priest like raises this like wooden cross that he has, this like greenwood cross that he picked up off the ground when he came out of the mound or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he raises this greenwood cross and he has given Helga like a censer of incense or whatever. Sure. And both of them, like, the horse stops at the edge of the lake and, like, rears back, and they both, like, raise their, like, holy implements and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this golden, like, casts out over the lake, and in a straight line from where they are to the middle of the lake, all of these water lilies pop up Ooh. and immediately bloom in progression from, like, the edge of the lake to the center of the lake. And then as, as these water lily, like, this water lily path gets to the center of the lake, a huge water lily comes up from the center and opens up, and the Egyptian princess is inside. Oh, yay! And she is asleep, and she's in, like, a magical sleep from which she cannot be roused or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, again, this is across, like, marshland, so it's hard to tell, like, what's solid and what's not. But this sort of spectral horse rides on the lily pad path into the center of the lake, and... The priest tells um, Helga to, like, you know, get 
the Egyptian princess up on the horse and she picks her up and she puts her over the horse and the horse like kind of buckles a little bit under the weight. Yeah. But he rides back to shore and they ride all the way back to, um, that's a rude detail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, it's three people. That's a lot of people. Hey, hey, Hans Christian Andersen, we actually didn't need that detail. Thank you. The horse can carry them just fine. She's a little woman. <laughs> she is a little woman. How dare you? <laughs> but they all ride back to the Vikings' wooden castle, and yeah. they stop just outside. And the priest and this spectral horse kind of fade into the mist, leaving just the Egyptian princess and Helga. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two of them look virtually identical. Like, they could be twins. Aww. And has the Egyptian princess aged? Probably not. Doesn't seem like right? it. No. Ooh. Doesn't say that she hasn't, but it really seems like she hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so they stop there. Uh, and the stork sees this, like, ghost horse drop off these, like, <laughs> oh my God. the soap opera that he's been following. <laughs> this is a very satisfying end for him. <laughs> yeah. So he sees them and he's like, oh my God, I've got just the fucking thing for this. And he goes into his nest and he yes! pulls out the two... Feather mantles. That's why he has two. That's why he has two. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, He takes out the two feather mantles and he flies over um, the Egyptian princess and Helga and he drops the mantles in front of them and they pick them up and they put them on and they turn into swans. And as soon as they turn into swans, he like lands right next to them and he's like, okay, so now that you're birds, we can talk. So like, can I tell you what's been happening? Oh, my God. And he just gives them all of the details of the whole thing. And they're I like, love oh, my God. So much. I love him so much. He is a part of this narrative. <laughs> I love it. Fucking himbo stork. <laughs> Middleton son of a bitch. Oh, my God. He's just in it for the drama. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a very exciting ending to this story. <laughs> so he drops the mantles down on them. And he's like, it's actually really good that you're, like, here now. Because my family and I are about to fly down to Egypt for the winter and yeah. you can just come with us yeah we know the um, way we know the way um and he's he's so excited and you know he's also like wife oh my god <laughs> i have such good news yeah he so i was gonna skip over some of the stork parts because they like they're they no. bulk the story up a little bit no he's part of this <laughs> he's part of this he is a main character he's a main character so he like he's like okay you guys stay right here i'm going to go warn my wife that we're doing something different this year (laughs) and the stork goes back to his nest and he goes to his wife and he's like so you'll never believe what happened you know that princess and that horrible little girl who we hate (laughs) the horrible little girl has had the curse lifted or whatever and now she's a normal little girl and also the princesses return and also i gave them back their swan skins so now they're swans and his wife is like oh my god do we have to take them (laughs) he's like yes and she's like they they probably don't even know how to fly. It's going to take so long. <laughs> He's like, well, they'll never get there if we don't help them. And she's like, oh, my God. Okay, well, now I guess I'm a bad person for... <laughs> well, fuck me, I guess. I guess. <laughs> for I'm not just... wanting to ruin our family vacation. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's like, I mean, our kids are still not super good at flying. So, like, we're going to have to take care of them also. Mm-hmm. And, like, we, I don't know if we can handle all of them if they're, like, not going to do a good job. And he's like, they'll be fine. I'll take care of them. And she's like, okay, can you take care of them and also your kids? And he's like, yes, I promise. <laughs> she's like, okay, fine. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, Big fan. And she, like, they go down and meet the swans. And she's like, all right, fine. I guess she seems, like, super nice or whatever. And they can come with us. That's true. She has seen this little girl do some fucked up shit. Yeah. <laughs> she, this, she's right to be a little nervous. Yeah. they. She has babies. There's a brief mention earlier of she's like, when earlier 
yeah. in like the interlude about this horrible little girl like biting a, the heads off of chickens and stuff yeah there's an interlude where the stork is like honey you have to stop giving a shit about this child because literally we had to move our nest to the other side of the castle because she was throwing rocks at us <laughs> <laughs> she's bad <laughs> yeah she was evil but uh, the swans and the storks get all packed up and they all fly down to Egypt. Yeah. And they arrive in Egypt and immediately the two swans break off and they go to the palace of the Egyptian king who is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe wasn't that sick. <laughs> they say that the girl is 16, like at an earlier point in this. So she's at least 16. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. And he's still just like on his deathbed. Hanging out. Yeah, just hanging out. These two swans fly directly into his bedroom in the palace where he's surrounded by all of his advisors. And the two of them land on either side of his bed, like the head and the foot. And they shed their swan cloaks. Yeah. And they both, like, bend over him and just hold him. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, the water lily that came from the marsh, yeah. which is Helga, Aww. cures him. Aww. Because uh, life is love. It's like Rapunzel. Yeah, is it? Yeah, entangled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is cured and he jumps up and he holds his daughter and his granddaughter. And there's much rejoicing in the kingdom. And that's where the story could end. And it doesn't. <laughs> okay. It goes into a long interlude where it's like, and the princess for a little while was like, maybe I should, or the, sorry, Helga for a little while mm -hmm. was like, maybe I should be bad. And then what? like, she's like a little bit punished by God for her hubris, where God is like, <laughs> just a reminder, I'm the one who saved you from all that shit. And she's like, I'll be godly now. Um, and there's like a weird, like little mini moralist tale in here. This is also how Little Mermaid ends. Yes. With the children of the air weird shit where yes. she owes God like a hundred years of her life or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A hundred years of service, part of the ship, part of the crew. <laughs> um, God is Davy Jones. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we solved it. Um, you mean, oh my Jones? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, and then she's like, no, I have to be good. I got scared straight again by God. Yeah. And so the, the following spring, she gives a gold bracelet that she always wears. Um, she writes her name, Helga, inside mm -hmm. of the bracelet. And she gives it to the father stork. And she's yeah. like, can you bring this back home to my mom so she knows I'm okay? Aww. Um, And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And he like brings it home. And his stork wife is like, that's so heavy. It's going to slow us down so much. And he's like, <laughs> it's my duty. And she's like... Your duty is to your family. And he's like, well, I'm not going to turn down a gold bracelet. <laughs> and then he keeps it. Um, but he flies up north and he gives it to uh, her adoptive mother to let her know that she's like, okay. Why not write her a life. letter? Mm. She mm. can't write, read. <laughs> Illiterate, as women should be. <laughs> um, and Helga also sends a nightingale who is flying north mm -hmm. to the burial mound of the priest. And yeah. she's like, just go there and tell all the birds around. Also, she's like full-time human now, but yeah. she does still know how to talk to birds. Good. To be clear. Maybe she puts on the mantle sometimes. No, she. it specifically says she's like, oh, but she was a bird for a little while, so now she can talk to birds forever. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she tells the nightingale to go up to um, the burial mound, and she's like, just... Tell all of the birds in that area to keep it safe. And, you know, um, if they want to, they can, like, sing around there. And that would be nice. That's nice. Yeah. Um, it's very sweet. And then that area of the woods, every time hikers walk by, they just get fucking pelted by birds. <laughs> ah, what the fuck? <laughs> Guys, I just hiked. I just, like, ran a 15K to get away from these fucking nightingales. <laughs> they hate me, I guess. Oh, my God. I lost an eye on that trail. <laughs> What 
<laughs> so some years pass, and eventually she is married to an Arabian prince. Whoa, crazy! Um, and on the white of their the, on the night of their wedding feast, <laughs> on the white of their netting feast, on the night of, of their wedding, there's a huge feast in the palace, and she goes out. It's fall. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes outside just in time for the storks to come down for the winter. And they, like, land on the terrace where she is. And she's like, hey, I'm really glad that you guys are here for this. And they're like, we wouldn't miss it. It's your wedding. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, did you see what I made for you? And she, like, points out that she's had storks painted on, like, a bunch of the buildings and everything like that. All of the, like, pyramids and everything. Yeah. Um, She's had storks painted on them. And and the wife is like, least you could do. (laughs) (laughs) And the other stork is like, honey. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, But... She, like, hugs the storks, and then she looks up at the sky, and she sees this one star, and it seems like the star is getting brighter, and she's like, ooh, what's that? Uh-oh. <laughs> um, and it gets brighter and brighter and closer and closer until she's able to tell that it is not a star, but it is instead the glowing figure of the priest who's <laughs> riding on the horse, Aww. and he's an angel now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he comes down to her, and he lands on the terrace, and she's like, whoa, you're here? And he's like, <laughs> yes. I'm here for your wedding. Congrats. <laughs> okay, but you didn't RSVP, and uh, you know there's no, there's not gonna be a plate for you. <laughs> <laughs> but he is like, I just wanted to let you know that like you're good, and like you're going to heaven, and like I'll see you soon or whatever. <laughs> uh, when when you're ready, I'll see you then. I'll see and- you sooner, <laughs> see you soon, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll see you soon. So you know, just yeah. so you know, you're like square, basically. Yeah, and she's like. Well, you've been to heaven already, right? And he's like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> no, because of all the shit I did before I met you. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm a murderer. <laughs> yeah, um, whoops. And she's like, what's heaven like? And he's like, it's great. It's going to be great when you get there. Um, you're going to like it a lot. And she's like, can I just have like a little peek? Just like a tiny little peek. And he's like, no, you can't have a peek. And she's like, just like a little one. So I know where I'm going. And he's like. Okay, fine. What? Um, so for a brief moment, he, like, lifts her up into the sky, and she gets, like, a brief glimpse of heaven. And he's like, all right, and that's one glance, and time to go. And she's like, no, just, like, one more. Oh, my God, and this ruins her life <laughs> because she can't stop thinking about it. Basically. Oh, um, my God. She's like, one more glance. And he's like, okay, one Mississippi. And she's like, wait, just, like, another, like, half a second. And he's like, okay, one half of a Mississippi and she's like just a little bit more and he's like no and they he like pulls her out and puts her back on the terrace and she looks around and the storks are gone Mm -hmm. she goes back into the castle and the wedding feast is gone oh my god she sees all of these soldiers laying on the floor on bedrolls and she doesn't recognize any of them oh my god she goes through the palace as quietly as she can And she goes outside and she sees these two storks up ahead and she's like, hey, hey, (laughs) auntie, uncle. (laughs) And they land and she's like, hey, like, did I, was I gone all night? And they're like, who are you? Oh my God, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) What the fuck is happening, Max? And she's like, you're, you're my stork friend. I'm, it's, I'm Helga. And they're like, we don't know any Helga. And she's like, no, I like came here i painted you all over these buildings and she looks and all of the paintings are like old and cracked mm-hmm. um, and there are like new paintings and stuff like that but the ones that she painted are are very much like old and weathered and she's like i painted those and they're like okay if you painted those 
then there's something wrong because those have been there for generations. Um, They're like, I can actually tell you the story of how that happened because I feel like maybe you're confused. There was this princess from Denmark, uh, but she's actually an Egyptian princess and she came back down here. And actually my great, great grandmother told me about this story because she was actually like involved. And she's like, oh, okay. So it's been like maybe a hundred years or whatever. And then the first light of the morning sun uh, hits her and she disintegrates into ashes what the fuck the end (laughs) what (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) huh yeah oh sorry what are the details in the story they're like oh and then she came down here and then on the night of on her wedding night she fucking disappeared and nobody knows what happened to her and then she's like huh and then she disintegrates (laughs) yeah (laughs) what the what the fuck (laughs) the hell was that there are so many points where that story could have ended and Hans Christian Anderson was like okay but just a little bit more and then he got to the end and he was like okay I have to stop how do I end this she uh disintegrated the end <laughs> the end holy shit yeah that was so good Ah, <laughs> uh, fantastic good job thanks I, I know that, that was a super super long one it was it was amazing yeah so obviously the connections to the White Veil uh, Swan Lake, yeah, Swan Princess, all of that. Also connections to shed your heteronormative frog skins, yeah. Connections to that one also. Also weird connections to like Norse mythology. They also mentioned Egyptian mythology a couple of times. Egyptian mythology. I was gonna say the hundred years kind of reminded me of Sleeping Beauty as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Also Finn McCool and yeah. Tiernanog. Yeah, seeing heaven. Oshin. Yeah, yeah, all that. Finn McCool was Oshin's dad. That was... Yeah. I mixed that up, but yeah. You're good. Tiern and um, Yeah. And also, a little bit of a call out to uh, St. Olga of Kiev with the sparrow carrying the hot yeah. coals, uh back home. Yeah. Just like a minor <laughs> little detail, but yeah. Pretty fucking wild. I mean, <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. I loved that. A wild story. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I like a... I like a... It was also... The Korean story. You have a Korean story about frog husband, yes. a frog boy mm-hmm. that is adopted by that couple. Yes. And they love their frog son. Love a good amphibian. And he sits in a tree at one point and, like, flies a bird yeah. <laughs> with a lantern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There was also, apparently, there was a suspense film that was published, not published, that was released, released last year uh, by the same name. Mm. But it's about, like, a woman who... Finds out that she's, like, her mom got kidnapped and she's the product of that and, like, has to grapple with that or whatever. It's got... What's her face? From Tomb Raider. <laughs> Laura Croft. No. <laughs> uh, it's... Oh, Angelina Jolie. No. Um, from the new one. Uh, Alicia Vikander. I would have never guessed that. Yeah. Um, it's got Alicia Vikander in it. But uh, apparently it was not great. So... <laughs> um. The Marsh King's daughter. Earl King from Angela Carter's The Mm -hmm. Bloody Chamber is very much like this, where it describes, like, this fae creature in the middle of the forest luring girls to him. Mm -hmm. It has very similar vibes. Similar to, like, Tamlin also. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I also, in my first reading of this, my vibe from it was, like, I don't know, like, a lot of interpretations of this are, like, obviously the Marsh King is... 
Um, a rapist. That was yeah. <laughs> She said rapist, but she said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're like, and obviously he's evil. And I'm. I want to know more about him, to be honest. Like, yeah. we don't even get to see him. Yeah, we only see him when he's, like, a stump. But, um, and but, all of the depictions of him are, like, Oh, you think the stump was like him? It was him. It was? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think it was him. Yeah. Sorry, it does say that in the story. I guess I didn't express that as well. But, like, the stump moves, and it is it is the Marsh King, and he is disguised as an alder trunk, or an alder uh, stump. Yeah. Um, not disguised, but that's just, like, what he looks like, and she thought that he was a stump. And she leaned on him. To me, I was like, I know that there's a lot of, like, very, not to be, like, an apologist for this or anything, <laughs> but I'm like, not necessarily. But she was, she wasn't wearing her mantle, so, like, clearly she wanted to fall into a lake no. and have a baby with a martyr. That's what Max is saying. No. She I'm had like... taken off the mantle, so, like, <laughs> at the end of the day, who's at fault? <laughs> Max, um, Max. That's Max's quote. All of the depictions are like of like an old nasty man who's like kidnapping a teenager. That's or how the story is presenting him. It it doesn't like say that specifically though. Like it's not like an old gross dude. It's just like oh, and then she disappears, and then she has a child, and it doesn't. She's not specifically like, and he was evil. I don't know. It's just weird. I will say with her another thing that I was thinking when she comes up out of the marsh and she hasn't changed does remind me of all of the bog bodies mm-hmm. and how they still have like skin and hair they're mummified and preserved Ooh, yeah. by the marsh i hadn't thought about that so there could also be lore there like specifically to the marshes where mm-hmm. she was found yeah yeah just fun interesting to think about yeah guys go look up pictures of bog bodies oh i have a couple of illustrations from this story also i have to pee so bad so you have to do it fast or i okay. will pee my pants in front of you there's this one, which I really like. Beautiful. Um, it's very much like the uh, lady in the lake giving the sword to Arthur, but it's just an arm reaching up out of the marsh and there's a stork flying overhead. And if you look closely, there are a bunch of like, kind of looks like little fairy bodies in the water lilies around. Oh, yeah. Um, very pretty picture. And there's, it's a pen and ink illustration. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then there's this picture, which is just like a marsh scene and there's a <laughs> stork and then there's a human baby wearing a little um collar <laughs> no like a little um it looks like uh what's his name in the terrible horrible no good very bad day um, <laughs> but just like a normal looking human baby in a lily pad um there's this one of the priest and he's like being priestly and then there's a big old toad next to him <laughs> but he's also wearing lipstick it's very strange yeah and then there's this one, which is just a tiny little frog looking up at a uh, stork in silhouette. Like a, yeah, like a silhouette of a frog and a stork. Oh, they're so cute. Mm-hmm. And then there's this picture, which is like very much like a like uh, Egyptian revival style art, of yes. like Isis and stuff like that. Uh, and it's two women who are holding up an old man at either end, and they're they both have wings. Yeah. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. Fantastic. Very good story. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, then we're gonna take a break. And Janie's going to pee. I'm going to pee for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> Sounds super good. Yeah. And then I'm going to come back and tell you a short little baby story. I'm going to try to make it as short as possible. Woo! Yeah. We're back, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> okay, Max. Okay, Janie. Max. Okay, uh, today I am going to bring you a story from 
Irish Folk and Fairy Tales, which is edited by J.K. Jackson, our good friend who doesn't know he's our good friend. (laughs) Over at Flame Tree Publishing. J.K. Jackson is the type of author, uh, editor, who has, like, really inserted himself, like, without any argument. Like, just inarguably, when you reference all these stories, you also have to reference J.K. Jackson, and I really appreciate that about him. Mm -hmm. Like, we've been referencing J.K. Jackson since... The very, like, beginning. Yeah, the Flame Tree Publishing books have done a really good job of making, like, a lot of these... God, what is the... F- Every single time I cannot remember what the word is for when things are outside of their copyright. Uh, royalty-free? No, it's, like, the ones that had a copyright and then it expired. In the public domain. Public domain. That's it. Uh, he's collected a bunch of really amazing, like, public domain folklore references that aren't necessarily available in book form and he's put them into a book form which makes them accessible and also makes them a lot more popularized for a modern audience which i think is very cool and he also does not change them so like when he edits them the big thing with flame tree publishing is that he's not going through and like making them more modern and he's not there like making them more palatable to the reader he's publishing them as they were written but he's doing things like just editing for like grammar things like that like it's copy editing unless the grammar is specifically there to serve the story yeah like he does such a good job of that and so we have i mean books upon books upon books of these sources that you will never see in modern fairy tale anthologies because they've kind of been lost a little Mm -hmm. i don't know i really appreciate jk jackson this yeah. is a J.K. Jackson love story. So the little one I have here is part of the collector's edition of these fables, folklore, and ancient stories. And they are beautiful little books. They're all different colors. They have gold foiled edges. And they're just gorgeous. The cover of this one has a woman on it. And she has dark green hair and like a copper circlet. And she's wearing green lipstick. And she has earrings that kind of look like golden snakes or like yeah. a golden Asclepius or something like that. Is that what that's called? Yeah. And she looks super sarcastic, and I might be in love with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she really does embody, like, Irish. <laughs> yeah, just, like, the, like a like a side-eye that could kill. Yeah, um, that she, could cut glass. <laughs> there's, oh, God, there's this movie that I love so, so much, and it's Hercules and Xena, Rise of the Titans or something like that, or, mm-hmm. like, T- Attack on Olympus. Yeah. Um, and it's an animated movie that came out in the 90s that was, like, loosely based on the Hercules and Xena TV shows. Yeah. And... I someday will make you watch it. Uh, there is the, like, evil character in it, quote-unquote. Looks mm-hmm. a lot like her. Um, <laughs> hey. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, and they're both very hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the story that I chose from this is how Cormac McArt went to fairy. Hmm. And fairy is spelled F-A-E-R-Y. I like it. Also, is it Cormac McCarthy? Cormac Mac, M-A-C, new word, art, A-R-T. Not Cormac MacArthur. Is that his name? From mm. The Road? Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCarthy. No, that's all one word. This one is Mac space art. Sounds like. <laughs> Same guy, maybe. Okay, so here's Continue. the first sentence. I like to include the first sentence as like just a quote of stories, I realize. Kind of mm-hmm. gets you in the mood. Yeah. Okay. Cormac, son of art, son of Khan, of the Hundred Battles, was High King of Ireland and held his court at Terra. Yes. That's Cormac. One day, Cormac was out walking, and he saw a young man on a hill holding a branch with nine glittering red apples on it. Whenever the youth would shake the branch, quote, wounded men and women enfeebled by illness would be lulled to sleep. 
End quote. Not healed. Just no. <laughs> now they're asleep. <laughs> fucking go to sleep, man. This is like the Apple equivalent of just morphine. Yeah. <laughs> so they would be lulled to sleep specifically because when he'd shake it, the little fairy apples would make fairy noises. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, I'm so tired. All of a sudden. <laughs> oh, I guess I could take a nap. <laughs> huh. The branch also cured depression. <laughs> Yo, because where can I get them apples at? <laughs> no one could, quote, bear in mind any want, woe, or weariness of soul when that branch was shaken for him. <laughs> <laughs> like, if the branch is uh, shaken, don't bother waking me up. <laughs> I'm having a sleep unbothered by depression. <laughs> That's a shirt that I would wear. <laughs> if the branch is the shaken, don't, don't bother, bother waking, waking me up. <laughs> me up before you go. <laughs> Um, Cormac immediately, like, walked up and was like, is this branch yours? And the guy was like, <laughs> yeah. And he said, is it for sale? And if so, how much? I'll give you literally anything. I want that branch. I have so much depression. <laughs> and the boy was like, would you give me anything I asked? And Cormac said, yeah, anything. Anything in the world that I can give is yours. I want them apples. <laughs> how do you like them apples? A lot. Give them to me. <laughs> Priceless amount. <laughs> So the boy said, okay, I'll take your wife and also your children. And Cormac was like, okay. <laughs> take my wife, for example. <laughs> no, take her. Uh, so Cormac promised and he took the stick home. But he was really sad when he told his wife and children that he had traded them for a bunch of sparkling apples. <laughs> to a boy. <laughs> Just to some guy. <laughs> and they didn't take it too well either, Max. <laughs> they were like, oh, undo that. What? Don't think you need that stick that much, actually. Dad, that's just apples. I'm your son. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, but the vibes are bad. I'm Um, actually sad when you're around. And the stick doesn't do that. (laughs) The stick has never made me sad. It's never made me sad, Connor. (laughs) (laughs) And so they were all upset until he shook the apples at them. And then suddenly they were totally cool about it. And they, went oh, away. No. and they went away with the fairy boy happily. <laughs> the apples of gaslighting. 100%. During the procession to meet this youth. So he like grabbed his family who were like, we like this actually now. It's fine. And they're walking with like these dull smiles on their faces. The entire kingdom was like, this is fucked. What the fuck, dude? So they all gathered and they just like screamed and cried in like this long procession leading up to the fairy hill. They're like, don't do this. This is bad, actually. And Cormac was like, shake, 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 shake. (laughs) And they were like, oh, it's fine, I guess. Actually, I guess we like it now. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray. And they all smiled and waved and told him what a good king he was. He's the king now? He's been the king the whole time. Oh, he's the high king. Oh. So he's High King of Ireland. Well, I know I knew who his dad was. His court is at Tara. <laughs> so they were like, this apple shit slaps. Can we get more of it? <laughs> we actually like it. Let me get a hit of them magic sparkling apples. Oh, and then Ireland becomes the island of the lotus eaters, but for apples. <laughs> yeah. And every once in a while, it's like, I'm not happy either. And then you hear like mad apple noises. <laughs> <laughs> jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> I'm imagining they sound like sleigh bells. I don't know why. <laughs> he's villain <laughs> this is like villain shit he's doing mind control on all his people maybe like a tambourine <laughs> <laughs> a cowbell <laughs> <laughs> so a year goes by right and everybody was getting daily hits off this magic happy apple stick <laughs> to be clear so he leads his family to the fairy mound at Terra, and then the boy comes out and is like thank you and then like they disappear oh, okay 
and then he goes home. Uh, okay, so is the boy a fairy? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess. The boy wants his family and then takes him. Uh, it's also... I. You might address this later, but it is also worth noting that Terra is known as, like, one of those spaces that's supposed to be, like, a portal into the world of fairy in Ireland. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, it's uh, the, like, largest fairy mound in Ireland is supposed to be at Terra. Um, This actually makes a lot of sense for for the history of this story, too. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, it's like Mount Olympus in Greek mythology, where it's, like, a physical place, and they're like, and that's where the gods are. Yeah. But, like, we can't go up and check, because what if they get mad at us? It's kind of like that, except that people, like, live in Terra. But they're like, this place is full of where all the fairies are. And if you don't see them, it's because they're sneaky. <laughs> they sneaky. They, they are, are sneaky. That's true. That's true. To be clear, I'm not uh, <laughs> saying that there aren't fairies there. <laughs> well, I would never that, say that. <laughs> I would never say that. But it is, like, specifically, they're like, Terra is, like, the hub. It's, like, the New York City of being a leprechaun. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so a year goes by. Everybody's, like... This is fine. <laughs> We're happy for some reason. Don't know why. But Cormac... My dad died yesterday. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that great? <laughs> anyway. That them sucking up the magic happy apples sounds. <laughs> Are they eating them? Yeah. Just the sounds. Uh, so Cormac thought to himself, quote, It is a year today since my wife, my son, and my daughter were taken from me. <laughs> I will follow them by the same path they took. What? <laughs> Cormac... My guy, they were not taken from you. This is why you don't get high on your own apple supply. <laughs> Just like, what the... F- what the fuck? The delusion. The fucking delusion. My my kids were stolen from me. Isn't that sad? No. <laughs> they were not. <laughs> they absolutely were not. So Cormac the hero with no notes went off on <laughs> his adventure <laughs> to get back his family that had been so cruelly taken against his will yeah okay eventually he made it to a beautiful plain where he saw a bunch of horsemen thatching a roof with feathers of foreign birds french birds (laughs) chinese birds (laughs) canadian gooses french birds (laughs) more french birds it's mostly french and that one egyptian bird (laughs) that looks like a toad (laughs) wearing a feather cape oh no no (laughs) When one side of the roof was all thatched up and feathery, the men would go and get more feathers, and when they would return, all the feathers on the roof were gone. And so, for a while, Cormac just sat there watching them thatch the same side of the roof over and over again with feathers. And he's like, this is so fucking weird. And then he, like, shook his head and moved on, like, really confused. He's like, what lesson did I learn from that? (laughs) (laughs) This feels like that, um, the story of the man who, uh, God... Where was that story from? Was it the story from... Oh, God. It was from, like, a, it was a Middle Eastern story, and it was this man who walked into a cave and saw a bunch of people, yeah. like, whacking themselves on the head, and then they <laughs> got some bread. I this! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same vibes. Yeah. Oh. I think it was a Jewish tale, right? Like, a Yiddish tale? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then he fell down a well, and then he had to, like, ask no questions, and he couldn't ask no questions, so he was kicked back up to the cave. Yeah. God, that's such a good story. Yeah, that's a great story. So after a bit of walking, he saw a boy dragging trees to make a fire. But after he'd light one tree on fire, he'd like go to get another log. And by the time he came back to his little fire pit, the first log would be all burnt up. And so he'd put the second on, light it, and then run to get another, and then drag it back up there. And then that log would have already burnt down, so he'd put the second one. And so it was like he was trying to build a fire, but like... It just, he, he was doing <laughs> it badly. And Cormac was like, this guy's job is never going to be done. Like, what? why the... F- why the hell is he doing this? And then he, like, moves on. 
But so eventually, he came to three immense wells on the border of the plain, and he saw that on each well, there was a head. (gasps) (laughs) From out of the mouth of the first head flowed two streams, and into its mouth flowed one stream. The second head had one stream flowing out of it and one stream (laughs) flowing into it. And the third head had three streams flowing out of it and none flowing in. Max is thinking. (laughs) If one of the heads leaves Boston going at 60 (laughs) miles an hour. (laughs) Don't think about that. Don't think about that. Uh, Are you the person who hasn't seen Hot Rod? I have seen. Have I seen Hot Rod? With Andy Samberg? No, I've seen Halladega Nights. I've not seen Hot Rod. Which is wild. I am the one person that hasn't seen Hot Rod. Chris Parnell is in Hot Rod, Mm -hmm. uh, and he plays a radio announcer who is very dry, as is are most of the Chris Parnell characters. And he shows, he's like, I'm in radio. (laughs) And he's like, uh, his radio station is on AM radio. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I hate FM radio, because it's like, what about AM radio? And he's like, he's like explaining this, and then he pulls off his like... Uh, he he dresses like a news anchor basically, and so he like opens up his button up shirt and he has a tattoo of Calvin from <laughs> Calvin, Calvin and Hobbes. Hobbes, and he's peeing on um two things, and one of them's like a thing that's labeled like CDs, and the other <laughs> one is labeled FM radio, and he's like, see, he's peeing on both of them, and he's labeled as like AM radio. <laughs> it's like a weird political cartoon that he has tattoos, and he's like. See, he's he's peeing on both of them. Now, I know what you're thinking. That seems unlikely. How's he peeing in two places at once? What I like to think <laughs> is that he had sexual intercourse the night before, and there was a little bit of residue that split the stream oh perfectly. My God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just explains, like, in scientific detail, he's like, so that's why he has two pee streams. <laughs> Anyways, and that's- what do you think of my tattoo? <laughs> And that's the heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that does not make me want to see that movie. <laughs> that is like one two-minute scene in that movie that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. <laughs> it is very funny when we should watch that movie. <laughs> All right, I'm down. So Cormac stared at these heads for a while, but there was no one nearby to like ask about them, and there was no like plaque explaining what it meant, so he just left, <laughs> feeling weird the third head has no streams going into it so where's it getting the water from yeah it just has streams flowing out who knows that's the solution to the mystery <laughs> i just want everyone to know that i solved it <laughs> what did you solve you i don't just know asked I solved an- it. you know you just asked another question you made it weirder <laughs> i solved that that's the weird one mm-hmm. and um that's the only weird one for sure something's not right <laughs> <laughs> solved <laughs> bring max on your next ex- escape room <laughs> She will be there to ask the big questions. Eventually, Cormac came to a house in the middle of a field. And he went inside and he said hello. And the couple who owned the house were like, hi, do you want to stay the night? <laughs> and he was like, sure. What? Yeah, you know. When you just walk into someone house and, someone's house and they're like, hey, do you want to stay the night? <laughs> want to have a sleepover? Also, just don't walk into people's houses. Our mom says it's okay if your mom says it's okay. <laughs> so the wife of the couple asked her husband to go get food. And he left to hunt. And he came back with this huge wild boar over his shoulder and he was also carrying a big log and he threw them both on the floor and he told Cormac to cook it himself damn what (laughs) yeah and Cormac was like how do I how do I do that and the guy was like oh I'll tell you you're gonna split the log into four pieces and you're gonna cut the swine into four pieces as well and then you'll put a log under each of the four pieces of swine and you're gonna tell them a story oh and if your story is true the log will light and the meat will be cooked Mm -hmm. and so Cormac's like 
all right, uh, can you tell a story first so I can see what you mean? Because this is a little bit foreign to me. It's like a Canadian goose to me, and I am Irish. <laughs> and so the man said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll tell a story first. So he said, quote, I have seven pigs, the same as the one we just slaughtered, and I can feed the whole world with them. For if one of them is killed, all I have to do is put the bones into the sty again, and they'll be alive the next morning. What? Yeah. This is also how Thor's goats work. Oh. Yeah, this is how he gets a servant Chalfi, is because... <laughs> I don't have to go into the story, actually, but it's a good one. What? That seems like a lot of effort to get a fire to light. I would just be like, I had eggs for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lot of work. That's actually less work than just lighting a fire. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, but like going to be like, I, telling something true and then being like, I have this complicated magical thing maybe, and there are specific rules to it. Maybe you have to tell something of substance. It knows what's in your heart and it knows if you're fucking playing it. So his story was true, and a quarter of the pig was cooked. So Cormac turned to his man's wife and was like, now you tell a story. <laughs> and the wife was like, okay. I feel like a quarter of a pig would feed all three of them. Okay. But, like, fun. it's not just all three of them. There's also servants and stuff. Like, this is a house. Okay? Okay. Well, maybe they can cook it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they are cooking it themselves. <laughs> so she agreed, and she told the log, I have seven white cows, and every day they fill seven cauldrons of milk. I give my word that they yield as much milk as would satisfy the men of the whole world if they were out on yonder plain drinking it. Mm-hmm. And her story was true. She got some milky, milky cows. And so Ugh. a second quarter of the pig was cooked. Milky, milky cows! <laughs> so Cormac told the log his story. He's like, I've been searching for my wife, my son, and my daughter. They were taken from me a year before by a boy with a fairy branch. And, like, the log doesn't light right away. <laughs> so I just want to point that out. The man was like, if you're speaking the truth, then that would make you Cormac, son of Art, son of Khan of the Hundred Battles. And Cormac's like, yeah, that's me. And then the log bursts into flames. <laughs> the guy's like, let me help you out and just give you your own name and have you confirm. <laughs> so the man nodded and told him to dig in. It's time to eat. They've only cooked three quarters of this, but whatever. Yeah. But Cormac told him that he has never eaten with only two people before. And then it felt kind of weird, like they're trying to do some sort of thruple thing. <laughs> My husband and I saw you from across the bar, and we wanted to cook a quarter of a big burrito. <laughs> like, it, he it does might seem be weird. weird, right? He's like, I don't know if I could do this. I I have a wife and kids. <laughs> um, and Samantha's like, would you eat if other people were here? Like some other hot young things that we found? Mm-hmm. And Cormac said, like, yeah, I would if the people are dear to me. Which is rude to his dear host, mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. At this, the doors opened and his wife and children entered. What? And they all cried and they hugged each other. And I assume like, every time one of them was like, why'd you do that to us? Cormac would just like shake the stick at them and they're like, oh, we're so happy to see you. <laughs> oh my God. We forgot why we were mad. So then Mananan Maklu. Lord of the Fairy Cavalcade appeared before Cormac in his true form. So it turns out his host that was like telling him to tell logs stories <laughs> was like, I'm actually. It's kind of a log story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually Mananan. Mananan. This shit is Mananan. M A N A N N A N. He said, I was the one who took your family, and I gave you that branch, because I wanted you all to come here for dinner. <laughs> now, please, eat this dinner. It's been a year. <laughs> it's literally all I've thought about for the last year. 
Oh my god. It's, I thought you would actually come after your family much sooner than a full year. <laughs> hmm. So Cormac and his family sat down to dinner, and then he asked Mananan to explain all the curious things he had seen on his journey. He's like, I saw some really f- strange fucking things in this plane. Can you tell me about them? So Mananan told him that the horsemen that were thatching the roof with feathers represented the type of people who go out into the world seeking riches and fortune. When they return, their homes are bare, and they go out again seeking riches and fortune. But it's not enough for them. They, like, go home, and then they're like, well, I don't like being home. I need to go. And so, like, they just are constantly in this endless cycle of, like, wanting more and not feeling like their homes have anything to offer. So that's those men. The young man dragging the trees to make the fire represented those who labor for others. They always have <laughs> right? They always have much trouble making sure other people are satisfied and they never get the chance to warm themselves by the fire. <sighs> Workers' rights. Right? That's why I told the story. I was like, actually, this is rad. Workers' rights. <laughs> and the three heads represented three t- kinds of men. Some give freely when they get freely. Some give freely and get very little. So that's the one that had three streams going out, but only one going in or something like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then some get much and give little. And he said, those are the worst of the three, Cormac. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the bad guys. Cormac's like, cool. (laughs) And then like another log catches on fire. (laughs) The fourth pig is cooked. After that, Cormac and his family sat down and a tablecloth was spread out before them. And Mananan told them that the tablecloth could produce any food and drink before you even had to think about it. He's like, it just fucking guesses your cravings, my man. Like, it knows what you want before you know what you want. And then he thrust his hand into his girdle. Uh. And he pulled out a goblet and he held it in his palm. (laughs) A goblin. A goblin. (laughs) And he was like, hi, what's up? Kill me. (laughs) No, he pulled out a goblet, and he rested it on his palm, and he told Cormac that the cup had virtue. (laughs) Ever heard of it, Cormac? (laughs) It said, if a false story was told before it, it would fall into four pieces. But if the truth was told, it would be made whole again. This feels redundant after the pig story. He told Cormac that all the gifts, the goblet, the branch, and the tablecloth would be his. He's like, you can just have those. Why? And then they ate their meal. The end? <laughs> like No, like a second meal. They've already eaten this pig. What? <laughs> and it was awesome because the tablecloth anticipated everything they were craving before they could even think about it. What if they were like craving something embarrassing? Like the tablecloth just kept producing more and more heroin. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> who, who, who ordered this? <laughs> Not me. Connor, son of Cormac, son of art, son of fucking... Con. <laughs> con. Oh, shit. You're right. It's con. <laughs> this would be a really good uh, tablecloth to have when you want, like, one of a thing. Mm. Like, um, there used to be a Boston market in my hometown when I was, like, really little. And they had these nasty-ass green beans that were, like, the canned green beans that have been – they're, like, waterlogged and not flavorful. Mm. But every once in a while, I'll get, like, a craving for, like, one green bean from <laughs> Boston market. <laughs> That would be great for that. Or like a single circus peanut. (laughs) I've never craved just one thing. I've craved too much of one thing. (laughs) No, I constantly crave like, I'm like, what if I had just like a tiny little spoonful of soup and that's it? (laughs) No, not me. (laughs) I just want a taste. I am not living that fairy tale mouse life. (laughs) I am a beast in a Christmas (laughs) story. (laughs) I am eating the whole goose and three hams. (laughs) And the roast beast. (laughs) So 
After they were done eating and drinking, they thanked Mananan profusely. When they had eaten their meal, a couch was prepared for them, and they all laid down and they took a little nap because <laughs> they were tired after their big dinner. And when they woke up again, they were back in Terra, and by their side was the tablecloth, cup, and branch. And the last line of the story is, Thus did Cormac fare at the court of Mananan, and this is how he got the fairy branch. <laughs> Thoughts on the story? <laughs> Cormac is bad. Cormac is bad he in the story. He doesn't deserve any of these things. Mm-mm. Also, he shouldn't be allowed to have the branch. The branch that usually in these, like, I'm going to talk a little bit about Cormac in, like, Irish mythology, but usually, big like, heroes and kings and stuff like that, they get these things to use against their enemies, right? Mm-hmm. Like the harp of the Dagda's harp, you yeah. know, that's not used against his people. That's used to help his army and to help them, like, fight against the fucking other guys. Uh, Fomorians? Yeah, the Maybe. Fomorians, yeah. And so, like, it's weird that he got this fairy branch that, like, literally controls how people perceive you, and he immediately used it on his own family and his own people. Yeah. And we never see him use it against anybody as a weapon. Yeah. There's no conflict in the story. It's just him being an asshole. Yeah. And then he waits a whole year before he goes out to find them, and that also doesn't seem like a fucking kingly behavior. And also, he doesn't do anything to, like, get them back. Why does... He just kind of shows up, and they're like, great, we were waiting for you to come and claim these humans. He literally didn't have to solve any tasks. He didn't have to fight anything. He didn't have to prove himself. There was no trial by fire. He just had to, like, take a walk. (laughs) Yeah, he just had to show up and he couldn't even do that. No. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, thank God you're here now. Now we can give you your presents. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I Cormac did, is bad. Cormac I is not a him. hero. This actually might be the biggest villain we've had because it's also insidious. Yeah. That being said, I do really like the three lessons of like the types of people who who take more than they give and how shitty that is and the types of people who like give more than they take and how that's like also shitty. I like that. I feel like they made kind of points that I haven't seen in um, ancient stories, you know? I guess. <laughs> I like that. Uh, usually it's more like you have to give of yourself and you have to be selfless and you have to like never think about yourself. I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> and you have to like only think about others because thinking about yourself is bad. And selfish. And selfish. Oh, that's a good point, Max. <laughs> but this one is just like, hey, no, you should be getting as much as you give. Yeah. If you're not getting as much as you give, then, then you should stop giving. Yeah. Uh, if you are not getting as much as you give, then you are being taken advantage of. Yeah. And, and that makes you dumb. <laughs> and that's literally never the the lesson yeah. in anything, you know? Especially in these ones, because this is a trope. This is a, a story archetype of, like, you see three things on a journey, and then some mystical being explains what the lesson is. And usually it's just like, oh, you should be, like, <laughs> selfless. It usually I, is. I gotta though. stop going in this thing. Yeah, so I really did like that. I guess to me also though, it wasn't like he learned those lessons. We also didn't see him experiencing needing to learn those lessons. Yeah, he's not the audience for those lessons. It's not like sometimes you need to give a little less. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't that give lesson, fucking anything. It's because that lesson wasn't for Cormac. It was for Connor. Shitty heroin addicted Connor. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I made up Connor. Um, Connor's not his name. Okay, so here are some notes. 
Mm-hmm. Cormac McArt is a hero in Irish mythology, and so there are lots of stories about his entire life. According to legend, he was forced to step down from being king after he lost his eye in the battle with the Daisy, which is a group of people who wanted to end these like cycles of kings, right? Mm-hmm. It was like the Fomorians, their enemies. So he had this like battle and they like took out his eye and he couldn't be king anymore because the law was that a king had to be without blemish. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> right? The Daisy were maybe right. <laughs> Hashtag the Daisy were right. Um, I don't know anything about their other like beliefs or policies, but I will say overall, Cormac bad. <laughs> right? Overall, Cormac was said to be wise and true. He was like kind of a revered king who took care of his people, but maybe that's just because his people were being forced to be happy all the time by magic fairy apples. Yeah. He was described in the annals of Clon McNoise, which was translated in 1627, and he was described as this. This is a quote. Absolutely the best king that ever <laughs> Someone's been having their apples shaken. <laughs> Somebody had just taken a hit of the apples. Also, it's wild to have apples that are like, oh, this this makes everything happy and makes you everything better and you forget the bad stuff. And there's no like lesson. It's not like, and that's bad. Sometimes it's just like, and now he gets to do that. It's also Hooray. weird. Have, it's weird to have apples in the story and you don't eat them. Eat them. You just have to hear them. <laughs> Why isn't it bells? Maybe they had never seen apples. (laughs) Maybe. Okay, so he was, quote, absolutely the best king. Yes. Actually, though, I mean, apples aren't native to, like, areas like Ireland. They didn't come over until after the (laughs) conquest of the Americas. Yeah. So this must be, like, a work in translation. I wonder what it was originally. Bells. (laughs) (laughs) Really wish they had kept it like that. (laughs) Bananas. (laughs) This shit is manana. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is manana. Manana. M A N A N N. Manana phone. That's the title of the episode. Oh my god. Okay, hold this on. This shit is manana. <laughs> okay, I have to get through this one. <laughs> He's absolutely the best king that ever (laughs) reigned in Ireland before himself. Wise learned, valiant and mild, not given causelessly to be bloody as many of his ancestors were. He reigned majestically and magnificently. Again, though, I feel like that's because he was using mood control Yeah, that sounds like the influence of the apples. (laughs) Yeah, he was getting everybody super fucking high on apples. (laughs) Give me those sweet, sweet apples. (laughs) He lived at the same time as Finn McCool. Oh. So speaking of Finn, that's the same time period. And most of the stories of the Fenian cycle are set during this reign as well. Cormac's father, here's the legend of like his birth (laughs) to his death, Mm -hmm. which talk about fucking uh, random (laughs) disjointed Mm -hmm. things. Cormac's father was High King Art McQuinn. Legend has it that he was traveling and stayed the night at this druid's house, and the druid's name was Ulk Aka. As was customary, Ulk wanted to be extra hospitable, and so he gave Art his daughter Acton to sleep with him for the night. <laughs> Take my daughter! <laughs> was it real or was she just Acton? Well, she, she was just Acton. <laughs> uh, so that night was when Cormac was conceived, okay? Was uh-huh. when she was like a party gift. <laughs> mm. That night, while she was laying next to Art, Acton had a nightmare that her head was cut off, and from her neck, 
stump grew a huge tree and its branches spread out all across Ireland until the sea rose up and like overwhelmed it and killed the tree. And from the first roots, another tree sprouted up from her neck again, but the wind blew it down and Acton woke up with like a start and was like, I had a fucked up dream, (laughs) like shook him awake (laughs) and told Art all about it. Yeah, it's a fucked up weird dream. Mm, the sensation of roots growing in your neck really, is really unpleasant. I really hate it when people use the word roots anywhere around the body. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That's bad for me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now we're both just getting the full body, <laughs> the full body icks. <laughs> so he explained to her the meaning of the dream, because I guess he was a dream interpreter. <laughs> Well, he said that at the head of every woman is her husband. Oh, Jesus Christ. What, you disagree? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. So the dream was telling her that she would lose her husband, which I guess was him, in battle the next day. <laughs> the tree... And he's like, so now you know. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so now you know we're married. <laughs> Isn't or that cool? do you have a husband? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that you're married. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> Uh, the first tree that grew out of her neck stump was their son, who would be king over all of Ireland. The sea that overwhelmed that tree was a fishbone that he would die choking on. <laughs> <laughs> the second tree was his son, Carebri. Carebri life chair. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Care Bear life chair. <laughs> Care Bear life alert. <laughs> uh, Carebri would be king after their son. Um, and the wind that blew that tree down would be a battle against the Fianna, where he would be killed. And the next day, Art was killed in battle by his nephew, who became the new high king for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I guess I predicted the future. <laughs> Go mm-hmm. me. After Cormac was born, he was carried off in infancy by a she-wolf <laughs> and was raised uh, with her cubs for a while in a cave. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what? You seem surprised. <laughs> happens to everybody. Eventually, a hunter found him and brought him back to his real mother, not the she-wolf. I'm assuming he killed the she-wolf. Uh, probably. Oh, God. I know. Men suck. That was Shakira. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that she-wolf. Hawu. <laughs> was Shakira Hawu. <laughs> Acton <laughs> took him to be raised by a prince named Fiercre Casson. I didn't look up that name. (laughs) Also, when I tried, I did try to look up that name. Nothing comes up. That was his foster father. Um, They were attacked by wolves on the way. (laughs) Vengeance. (laughs) Wild horses protected them. Okay. Uh, A (laughs) Uh, A nay. (laughs) To be honest, the mythology behind all these Irish kings would literally take years to go through because it is dense and very specifically recorded. So like every moment of Cormac's life is like, planned out like we we know everything about him uh it was really fleshed out and it's fascinating and random and very fun but it would take years to get through so that's kind of like the rough outline of cormac and his beginning after ruling for 40 years cormac choked to death on a salmon bone (laughs) sure after all of that uh some versions blame this on a curse laid by a druid because cormac had converted to christianity womp womp the end (laughs) (laughs) accidental theme (laughs) (laughs) I just 
Can you imagine? That dude sucks. He sucks so bad. And also, how embarrassing that after being, like, a famous mythological, like, Irish king during the times of giants and stuff, you choke on a fucking salmon bone. Yeah. And die. (sighs) (laughs) Wait, weird fucking story. Also, an embarrassing entire life. I mean, I guess not, like, the the early life. Yeah, they didn't think he was embarrassing. They thought he was rad. I think it's embarrassing that he sold his wife and kids for a stick. And then went around being like, oh, they were taken from me. Do you think everyone was, like, Uh, whispering? Like, we're all trying to figure out who did this. Where'd you get those apples? Shake, 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 shake. (laughs) Angry fairy apple noises. (laughs) At the apple store. (laughs) A genius gave it to me. (laughs) Don't come at me, Marge. Mm. Anyway. Oh, that dude sucks. Yeah, he does suck. I would like it if, and I, I don't control this for myself, but I would really like it if one day I got hyper obsessed with Irish mythology and then went down a two-year rabbit hole into learning everything about that. I already did my Greek mythology thing. I'm ready to move on to Irish mythology, but I just don't have it in me to go through a whole mythology right now. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to the day that my brain's like, this is all we're focusing on is going to become <laughs> our whole personality. <laughs> clear the last clear the next two years of your life you bitch (laughs) (laughs) you dumbass you are quitting your job and moving to ireland that's what i want (laughs) and if you're thinking that sounds dramatic it's not that's what i do (laughs) kind of Mm -hmm. can't wait for that to happen (laughs) one day (laughs) i'm really excited yeah it's gonna be good (laughs) okay well that was a long ass episode i was a shorty little baby story for me so i did my part mix <laughs> i don't know what to tell you yeah no you don't tell me anything that was the best story i know <laughs> so we have to end this episode right now it's bye, too long already. bye. <laughs> that was the best episode i've ever uh, best steps that was the best story i've ever heard so worth it <laughs> i loved it that was a super good that was a super good time this is a super good time we had a great time we will be taking another two weeks off <laughs> for christmas and new year's so that we can go see our family mm-hmm. and our family, our one family is <laughs> <laughs> merged into two. We have two things we want to do, but I do think we have to pick one. Either go to New York to see the Dracula musical starring Ronzi mm-hmm. <laughs> from Letterkenny. Yeah. <sighs> Which would be so good. Or stay exactly where my family is and go to DC to see Ross perform live with his Shakespeare group. Ross Ross Bryant. Bryant. Counterpoint. We're not doing both. Why not? (laughs) We're not doing both. We have to pick one. We have to pick one. Why? (laughs) Why? I feel like Ross's Shakespeare show isn't going to be expensive. And you're already going to be in New York, D.C., so I'll just come up and meet you. We'll go to the show, and then the next day we'll go to New York, and we'll go see that show, and then we'll come back. Guys, what do you think we should do? They're all going to say both. (laughs) And also, it's going to be too late by the time they get back to us. (laughs) I know these fucking gluttons. They're going to say both. (laughs) And they're right. And, they're, and they might be right. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let you know what we decide. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Unless you didn't, in which case, fuck you. Yeah, you fuck yourself. Why didn't you listen? Why'd you skip to the end to hear this part? <laughs> Weird move, my guy. Um, I will say, one of the cutest things in the whole world, the Spotify wrapped lists came out. Oh. Everybody on our Discord was posting their screenshots of, like, how they are in their top, like, 0.5%. Oh, my God, you guys. Oh, my God. People who are like, you listened to 51,000 hours of the story, which we didn't record 51,000 hours. That means you've listened multiple times to every episode. Like, holy shit. Which is wild and 
Thank you so much. But like, and that was a super weird and surreal thing for me, like doing that math. But you didn't see fucking it. wild. It was very cool. But you are constantly checking our Instagram, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize. This. Instagram didn't give me the normal like heads up that we have messages waiting for us, mm-hmm. and so I actually missed it. But people had been posting on their stories their screenshots of sort of the story and how the rest of stuff. So I actually missed all of those posts, but I just saw like a blank spot where it was like, they mentioned you in their stories. And then I saw one, somebody had messaged me the same day and I realized it was like a bunch of people who had posted their stories of how they were in our top listenership. Oh, guys. (laughs) And that made me really emotional. That was so nice. Always tag us in that. That makes us feel really good. Also, join the Discord. Join the Discord so we can hang out with you, please. Please. uh, Please. Um, Yeah. Guys, this this was a fucking... I mean, I don't think this is our end of the year episode, but this was a fucking great year for sort of the story. This was a good a good year to be swords. Sots. <laughs> swords. <laughs> and next year is going to be the year of sort of the story booty short merch. <laughs> oh, sort of the shorties. <laughs> Shorts of the story. Shorts of the shorties. <laughs> You can all be shorties. Shorts of the story. <laughs> Shorts and the shorties. Uh, anyway, next year we hope you shorten your shorties. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. <laughs> Join our fucking Discord for $3. Get book club episodes. Join our Patreon at $7 and get bonus episodes. And then follow us on all of our social media and get pictures um, sporadically because I keep forgetting to do that. <laughs> and our TikTok and everything. And email us at sort of the story at gmail.com. All that info is in our show notes. And also on episode. our website, www.shortofthestory.com. Shorten your shorties. <laughs> Shorten your shorties.com. Don't go to shortenyourshorties.com. <laughs> Shortenyoursharks.com. Sharks.com. <laughs> what do you think sharks.com is? Do you think it's what you think it is? Or do you think it's something weird? Max is looking it up. <laughs> this episode is two and a half hours long. We are taking the time to Google. Sharks.com. This domain is registered, but may still be available. <laughs> Guys, sharks.com is available. <laughs> How the fuck is that? Re- I want that domain. Oh, it's owned by GoDaddy. How much would it be? Can you find I'm a way to, to buy it? Out. I'm trying to find out. What price? I'll pay anything. <laughs> sharks.com. You want my Max and my horrible animals? <laughs> Take them. It's just... Oh... Sharks.com is taken. We might still be able to get it for you. Broker service fee $69.99 plus commission. Oh, that's almost a fucking sigh. All I want for Christmas is to own Sharks.com. Sharks.co no. is $25,000 plus $39.99 per year. Jesus fucking Christ. Sharks.net is $10,000 plus $22.99 per year. But Sharks.com is only $69. <laughs> Uh, How is that possible? <laughs> Sharkscity.com is eleven ninety nine for the first year. <laughs> I don't Sharksnow.org is nine ninety nine for the first year. I love that it's an organization. <laughs> Sharksonline.net, because they're a network, <laughs> is fourteen 
99 for the first year. I... Okay, guys. Sharkshub.org, which reads like shark shub. Shark shub. 99 Sharkstop.com, which could also be sharkstop. <laughs> Shark. Stop. <laughs> Sharkstube.com. What's a shark tube? <laughs> Shark's breath. <laughs> okay, if we somehow get ownership of the domain shark.com, that will be the new website. <laughs> That's where we will Sharks. sell <laughs> our merch on sharks.com. <laughs> if it's only $69, I might want it. That's where we'll put all of our booty shorts. I think it's $69.99 to pay them to ask someone to give you the website, plus a brokerage fee, plus the cost of the website. How much is that? <laughs> Unclear. Probably $100,000. Probably. I just have to pay off my student loans first, and then I can take out another loan. <laughs> we could take out a massive loan to purchase <laughs> sharks.com. sharks.com. <laughs> All right, well, um, (laughs) we will keep you updated on the status of that. There might be a GoFundMe out there. (laughs) Help us buy sharks.com. And then post nothing about sharks. (laughs) To sell our terrible booty shorts that are not shark related. Not shark related. No, that's important (laughs) for the brand. All right. What about what about booty shorts that are like the movie poster for Jaws and it has like the shark coming out of the water, but instead of Jaws, it just says Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and underneath it in parentheses it says bum bum. <laughs> bum bum. Oh my god! <laughs> oh we are I want them! <laughs> We are slowly talking ourselves into some weird shit. Sharks.com, we're coming! <laughs> oh! Do you think there will be a Sharks.com on the Discord? <laughs> I hope so. Oh, there will definitely be a Jazz. <laughs> jazz. Okay. Uh. Oh, hey, I bought... That's a- my jeans ass. <laughs> That's my jeans ass. What are you doing? I'm the episode. I know. It's not. (laughs) Um, I bought a book. I bought a zoo. Uh, One of our Discord members, Pumpkin Maiden, wrote a book. And their book is, her book, is about the Christmas spider. And it's adorable. And she's also making me a little beaded spider. Mm. And I bought it, and uh, I'm really excited to get it. And when I do, I'm going to be doing a little review of the Christmas spider book. (laughs) Because I'm very proud of our beautiful, perfect listeners who are actually fucking writing and self-publishing and selling their cool shit. That's cool as hell. Also, it's fucking hard. I know it, because I literally went to grad school to do children's books, and I still have not done them. (laughs) Yeah. Um... You know what would be a really good place for her to sell those books? Sharks. <laughs> Are you hearing this, Pumpkin Maiden? Are you hearing it? We're here to offer you part of a very exciting financial opportunity. $69 a month for us to sell your book on sharks.com. <laughs> but you will have to change your name of your book to The Christmas Sharker. <laughs> The Christmas Charter. <laughs> we have to go. We have to leave. It's over. All right. Get out.
out of here. We have to be gone now. <laughs> we hope you have a wonderful fucking day. Bye. Bye. I had a bout of extroversion. Oh. As I do every... I, I usually only do this if I haven't been to work in more than a couple days. Mm-hmm. Right? If I'm able to reset, then I'm like, oh, I want to be around people. Which is normal. <laughs> and so I went back on Hinge and a guy was like, hey, you hate small talk. So do I. You want to just go get coffee next week? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then all week I've just been like, Ugh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that was a stupid. Why do I always do this to myself? Like, no, I don't want to get coffee next week, actually. And so last night at 3 a.m. I said, I have COVID. Bye. <laughs> Jesus. Because <laughs> no, I didn't want to get coffee, it turns out. Oh, my God. (laughs) Something that I've learned after many, many years of being your friend is that the best way to get you to participate in an activity (laughs) is to tell you about it moments before it starts. Where I'm like, hey, do you want to go do this right now? Yeah. Uh, and that's that, what it has to be. I cannot have planned it before and I won't want to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least then there's like a 60-40 chance. Like there's a there's like a, a 60% chance that you'll be like, no, I'm busy. But at least there's a 40% chance that you'll be like, yeah, that's all right. Whereas if I'm like, hey, do you want to do this thing next week? There is a 90% chance that at some point during that week you will be like, actually, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I did and the moment passed and I'm back yeah. to my old terrible self. Yeah, so there's a 90% chance in the week leading up to it and then an additional 5% chance that, like, we will be getting ready and you will be like, I actually don't want to do this. (laughs) So there's really only a 5% chance that we will actually do the thing. I look you in the eye and I say, I have COVID, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And then you just sit down on the couch. (laughs) Yeah, and turn on Gilmore Girls um, and get into a million pairs of pajamas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So many pajamas. This is what happened with my other group of friends that read the same fairy smut books that you have not read so you can't be in the group and everyone's mad at you for it because everyone wants you in the group and you're like i'm not reading that book or getting an iphone yeah the bigger problem is that i have an android (laughs) yeah and nobody's willing to sacrifice the group to add in an android (laughs) i have actually several groups that people beg you to join that you're like i have an android and they're like okay never mind It's been nice knowing you, but we actually don't want to know you anymore. I'm just saying, if they wanted to, they would, you know? Uh, they just really shows their dedication, and I yeah, don't need if, that in my if life. If you wanted to, you would. You're the only one with an Android. Yeah. Mm-mm. The pleasure of my company is worth it. It's really I'm a luxury not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. I've run an Android. Stop tearing families apart, okay? Take down <laughs> that wall. <laughs> yeah. The difference in interacting between you and me is that if you ask me to do something right now, the answer is literally always, no, absolutely not. I am doing what I am doing right now. Mm. Because, like, even dumps it, like, you'll be like, do you want to go for a walk? I'm going for a walk right now. I'm like, no, absolutely not. Okay, but to be fair, (laughs) to be absolutely fair, if I said next week I'm going for a walk at this time, do you want to go? You'll still say no. You don't want to go for a walk with me. No, I, I would say yes. Okay, next week, let's go for a walk on Saturday and Sunday with the dogs. Okay. Guys, uh, Saturday is going to be really busy, but definitely Sunday. <laughs> also, She's <I've> going. COVID. <laughs> yeah, Max doesn't want to go for a walk. No, I do want to go for a walk. She's we'll come back next week and tell you guys whether we did a walk. Mm. Please remind us. Oh, <laughs> you can't. You can't. This is not going. You're not going to be listening to this in time. We'll tell you next next, next Sunday. Time. <laughs> we're going to go for a walk. <laughs> Damn it! I don't want to do that. I have. <laughs> This is why the podcast is all we can ever do together. (laughs) We literally can't do it. I am already dreading this stupid walk. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't want to go. <laughs> um, this is why my friends, uh, my other, my fairy smut group chat friends, they were like, we're going to go see Taylor Swift. Oh, it's so exciting. And to be honest, <laughs> I would say I'm not a Swifty, but my Spotify apparently is going to fucking call me a liar because I'm in, like, I'm one of her top 4% fans and that was wild to learn about myself. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. But <laughs> I guess I just consume a lot more Taylor Swift than I thought. Like, she's just in the periphery at all times. Yeah, that checks out. It does. But last year, two years ago, they were like, oh, my God, next year we're all going to see Taylor Swift in New York. Isn't it going to be fun? And they started making plans. And I was stressed and I was broke. And I was like, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan. Like, I like Taylor Swift. I'm not like a diehard, like, have to see her in person sort mm-hmm. of fan. And we were also, like, a year out of COVID. And so I also was like, I also don't want to be in that big group setting. So I kept saying, like, no, I don't want to go. I'm not going to make that plan in the future. I already know. I'm stressed out that you keep bringing it up. Stop bringing it up. And they were like, okay, we'll just get an extra ticket just in case. And I was like, do not do that. Oh, my God. Don't pay for an extra ticket because you will expect me to go. And now I officially don't want to go. <laughs> and then I stress. I had stress dreams about it. I was like texting them like, listen, you think I'm joking? I'm not joking. Do not do that to me. Do not do that to me. <laughs> don't get an extra ticket. I don't want it. <laughs> I will feel obligated to go and like pay you back. And they're like, well, you don't have to pay us back. And I was like, yeah, see? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm telling you that I do. <laughs> <laughs> don't fucking do that to me. And then like that became a big thing where they were like, oh, Janie just can't afford it. And I was like, that's not the issue. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is, I could spend the money if I really, really wanted to go. I would fucking spend the money. Yeah. I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. And it's stressful that you keep trying to make me plan a year in advance. I don't want to go. So then on my birthday, my our friend Lauren showed up and she was like, I got you a birthday present and it's totally refundable and there is no pressure and you can go or not go and it will not bother me, but here you go. <laughs> and it was train tickets to go with her to New York, not to the concert, but just to go to New York. And she's like, girls trip. And then maybe you can like help us get ready. And I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> that's how you do stuff with Janie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but after that experience it was very fun and i was like that's great and this year they were like we're gonna go see hosier we're giving you the option now to say yes or no and it's no big deal and this is how much the tickets are and we're gonna get them now anyway and so and i was like okay i'll go see hosier (laughs) (laughs) turns out if i wanted to i would and i want to see hosier yeah um heard heard you and i are gonna go see hosier yeah we are are you excited i am do you think we'll fall madly in love (laughs) no i don't think so either <laughs> i also am not like a diehard hosier fan i just am more likely to go see a hosier show than a yeah Taylor i feel show. like it's gonna be really fun i should probably listen to any of his new music <laughs> whoops his new music is so good it is not like as accessible i would say as his last two albums mm. you know where you can like sing along to them like, mm-hmm. Shrike, you can hear that, and you get the lyrics, and you get the images, and you're like, this is great. His new album is, like, mostly vibes, mm. and so, which is great. You can put that on in the background, and you can feel the vibes, but there are only a couple songs that you're like, oh, fuck, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling this right now. The rest of the music, to me, to me, honestly, I could take it or leave it. Mm. We might have to cut that. <laughs> Uh-oh. The hope. The hose. The hose. <laughs> the hose are back. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what the hoser fans are called. The hose. <laughs> I guess they're just the hose. Hose mad. <laughs> the hose are going to get us. 
Ho-Hive activate. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I want to be part of the Ho-Hive. <laughs> that should be the shirts we make. Ha, ah, Ho-Hive. <laughs> Yours can be Ho-Hive and mine will be Ho's Your Daddy. <laughs> Yours will be Ho's Your, da- Ho's Your Daddy mine will be Ho's Hive and we'll both be wearing booty shirts that say, um, hi-ho. <laughs> And it's we'll off to work. <laughs> I hope it's off to work. Song we go. <laughs> uh. <laughs> this is worth it. This is good. This is good. <laughs> oh shit! That's a ten minute test. I'm gonna go ahead and. <laughs> <laughs>